Government ministers have made a last-ditch attempt for support in the Commons vote later today on legalising gay marriage. The Chancellor, George Osborne, the Foreign Secretary, William Hague, and the Home Secretary, Theresa May, have written an open letter saying the change is the right thing to do at the right time. It's thought as many of half of Conservative MPs will oppose the legislation. The organisers of the Hertfordshire-based Rhythms of the World Festival are determined it will be back next year. The summer's event's been cancelled this year after the owners of Hitchin Priory refused to host it. Kath Cole is on the festival's organising committee. We've had five very, very good years at Hitchin Priory and the team there have been really supportive of us. But yeah, unfortunately the wet weather did take its toll last year. There was some damage to the ground, which obviously we've repaired, but that has taken its toll and that was a factor, in, or the major factor, in us not being able to return there. A Hertfordshire teenager who accidentally invited thousands of Facebook users to his 21st birthday party is urging others to be more cautious online. Ollie Borman from Wellin was charged with causing a public nuisance in September. He'll be talking live to Ian Lee after 7 o'clock as part of Safer Internet Day. Finally, the lead singer of the band The Trogs, Reg Presley, has died at the age of 71. The group were best known for the worldwide 1960s hit Wild Thing. In a 1994 cover of their song Love Is All Around by Wet 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 stayed at number one for 15 weeks. Reg Plesley had retired last year after being diagnosed with lung cancer. Finally, in sport, a man's been arrested on suspicion of assault after an incident involving Wickham Wanderers goalkeeper Jordan Archer during their 1-0 win at Gillingham. The player didn't receive any treatment and wasn't hurt and carried on for the remaining few seconds of the match. As for the weather, bright spells and light snow showers with a top temperature of 5 degrees Celsius. That's 41 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Tuesday. It's the 5th of February. There is an, There are two R's in February, so make sure you say them. Otherwise, it's mispronunciation and something I just won't stand for. Lots coming up on the show this morning, as always. Keen to get your opinions and your input onto this nonsense, including... Elderly residents in Kempston say they are angry over plans to force them out of sheltered accommodation. They don't want to leave. We'll hear their story next. This is the story that's got me fascinated. Former Energy Secretary Chris Hoon lied about asking his former wife to take speeding points for him. It's a fascinating story. The texts between him and his son are incredible. But the question I want to ask you today is, what have you lied about... In the past, I've got a good one. Oh, I've got a good one. I know that Catherine Boyle has as well, and so does Kelly Betts, who sometimes works on the show when she turns up. And the Rhythms of the World Festival in Hitchin is off this year. We hear from the volunteers who say they are devastated. It's not going ahead. They were on this show a few months ago saying it was definitely going to happen. They just needed to find a bit of land. And obviously, they couldn't. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR is the place to go. Lots of you arguing on there. It's great. I enjoy seeing you uh, kind of put your points forcefully. Uh, uh, what the hell? I like seeing you argue on there. Don't be rude. No, no indoor language, please. Nothing personal, but it's great to see you arguing. It's what the internet was met for, invented for. Keeps you young and alive. You can also text, but I'm only reading out texts that have got your name on. Or a name. Just put any name on. I don't care. A name, 81333, start your text 3CR. But always, the best way to get in touch, particularly at this time of the morning when all of the lines are free. Give me a phone call, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Now, elderly residents in Kempston who are being forced to move from their homes say it's so their housing association can rent out the homes to families instead for more money. Bedfordshire Pilgrims Housing Association, which looks after Williamson Court, wants to redevelop it into family housing. Well, the residents have been given compensation to help, they, help them move. It'll affect more than 30 people in all, including 87-year-old Doris Bennett. I thought I was here for the rest of my life. Boilers keep conking out or something. They have to keep supplying new new heating system. And they say that's too expensive to do. It it's all money in the end. Apparently they're paying us out compensation. But I don't want compensation. I want to stay here. Would that help you along, though? Do you think it will help? Well, yes, Is it good of them? They're going to have somebody to pack it all for us. They're going to have somebody else to do something else. But they're taking that money out of your compensation money. So you're not really left with that figure at the end of the day? Of course you're not. Everything's handy. I just go over the road there to my hairdressers. Friends are all here. I mean, we might catcall each other, but it's... All done in fun. I was very happy living here. But I don't think I will be when we move. Where are you going to be moving to, do you know? I want to like to stay in Kempston, but I practically lived here ever since I was a child. I'm more or less established here, you know what I mean? And what about your family? Are they close by as well? The eldest one lives in Rushton and the other one lives in Roxton. Well, they'll be helping me, yeah. Doris Bennett talking to our reporter Serena Farrow, one of the residents, well, Doris, obviously not Serena, one of the residents who's being forced out of sheltered accommodation in Kempston. Well, we're joined now by Norman Freeman, who's a resident there. Morning, Norman. Good morning, Ian. How long have you lived there for? Uh, nine, July 1993, 19, over 19 years. Blimey. And Norman, I'm going to ask you a personal question. Tell me to get knotted if you want. Mm-hmm. How old are you, sir? Uh, 79 on Valentine's Day next. Hey, that's like romantic birthday. Oh yes. Ooh. Uh, How do you feel about being forced out of that of your home, Norman? I feel let down. It's it's terrible. You know, got friends all around here. It's it's lovely. We got everything's close by, knitted together. And do you have lots of friends that live there? Quite a few. Quite a few. Yes, I do. Yeah. When did they tell you you were going to be forced out? Did you get a letter? Did you get a phone call? What happened? We was notified it might be last year. Yeah. And we knew, because I was had contact saying what they were going to build houses and flats here, what was the rumours, but we officially found out last week. And what was it, a letter? A letter. See, a, that, that's a letter not... put through our letter boxes. Then we had a meeting the following day. They come and met us last Thursday. So you get a letter saying, this house you've lived in for 20 years, thereabouts, uh, you're getting booted out. Mm-hmm. How did that make you feel? Terrible. Everyone was down. Everyone's been down in, in Williamson Court here for over a week now. They're all miserable, so they don't sleep the same. When do you have to move out? Are they giving you a date? We don't know. We're not going to start knocking it down and redevelop it until uh, everyone is moved out. Whether it takes a year, I suppose, well, they said the next three months, but they said they're not going to do anything until the last person's moved out. You should all, ba- you should all lock yourselves inside, Norman. Board I, up the doors. I know that, yeah. Squatters' rights. I know. Well, there's people 90-odd in here. Yeah. All of them. They don't even get the rumours. What's going to happen to them? Where are you going to go, Norman? I have no idea. I put down for Woburn Court, but Woburn Court is like this one. If, if we move there, 
What's going to happen if that's going to close in two years' time? It's the same as this, almost the same development as this. Have they told... Because they're going to offer you compensation, haven't they, to help you move? Mm -hmm, yeah. Have they told you how much you're going to get? Uh, £5.100 and £900, I think, for the... You know, for the removal. Say £6, that... £6,000. So £6,000? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Housing Association um, it, it might say that these flats are no longer suitable and that, that families are needed to kind of generate more money. What do you think about that? Well, no, not really, because they're paying it out for us. Only six years ago, we had new bathrooms and kitchen speed. Yeah. That money's gone to waste. They wasted it, aren't they? Listen, the Housing Association probably listen to this, Norman. What, what's your message to them? You speak to them as someone who's going to be forced to move out. Well, well I'm very upset. Who's going to help you move? I, I'm more, more worried about who's going to help you move because I've got this asbestos, this lung, death lungs almost packed up. I can't do this and I can't do that what I did even a year ago. Who's going to help me? Norman, can I ask you one more question? Mm-hmm. Do you normally get up at six o'clock in the morning? I'm always up between six and a half past. Why? I don't know. You, listen, you're, at the, you're 79 years old. You should be relaxing now. You should be having lions and stuff. I've always been used to getting up early in the morning. And if I go out in the morning, I do my shopping early to get home and I've got the best of the day. Blimey. Norman, l listen, lovely to talk to you. Best of luck. OK, we'll, thank you very We much may speak you. again at a later point. That's... Uh, Norman Freeman, who is a resident there. Well, the Housing Association, BPHA, says it follows a seven-week consultation with residents and local people to address the oversupply of sheltered housing in Bedford. They say there are currently far too many empty homes in the area. Uh, the uh, head of supported housing from the organisation will be explaining their reasons for moving the residents out in the next hour. 08459 
morning, Inley, BBC Three Counties Radio. We'll have a look at the front pages a little bit later on. I'll, I'll tell you now, most of them centre around Chris Hune, the uh, the MP who kind of... Oh, no, hey, I didn't ask my wife to, to take those points on her licence for me. No! No, I didn't do that. Dad, tell the truth. Yeah, all right, I did. Incre- it's an incredible story. I mean, I, I, the question I want to ask today is, around this is what lies have you told? I'll be honest, I've told some corkers. Just, just think about it for a second. We've all done it, haven't we? Small ones, big ones, some as big as your head. 08459 455 555. What lies have you told? Maybe you just thought it was, you know, it was a good lie to tell. It, 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 it didn't cause any damage. Or maybe it was wicked. We've got a couple of great ones from, the, from various members of the team, including Catherine Boyle and Kelly Bet. Oh, they've got some good stuff. I, I've, the one I've got, it's, it's, I don't think it's particularly wicked. It just made, just made my evening easier to tell this lie, that's all. 08459 455 555. As we celebrate the magic of Chris Hewn and his porky pies, what lies have you told? Right, travel news now, here's Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, looking at the cameras at the moment, the motorways are holding up nicely, not looking too bad at all, heading down the western stretch of the M25 and looking good as well on the M1 in particular at the moment. The usual trouble areas not uh, causing too much of a problem, actually. The A414 and the A405 looking good at the moment and heading through Dunstable, the A5 also looking uh, fairly nice. You usually have some problems there around this sort of time in the morning, but is holding up well. Now on the trains on First Capital Connect services, we have delays of around 20 minutes heading from Hartford North in towards central London and from Stevenage in towards King's Cross as well due to a signal problem along the way. So do check before you travel. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. Morning, it's 6.15. It's Tuesday the 5th of February. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A group of elderly residents says money's the reason they're being forced out of their sheltered home, uh, flats in Kempston. The independent examiner looking into the deaths of three patients at the Lister Surgery Centre in Bedford says he has confidence in the facility's standards of care. In sport, Wickham Wanderers goalkeeper Jordan Archer was attacked by a fan in the course of last night's 1-0 win at Gillingham. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks, bright spells and light snow showers with a top temperature of 5 degrees. And coming up, when your kids or your grandkids are on the internet, do you know who they're talking to? Well, the NSPCC claims children should be given lessons in how to use the internet safely from as young as five or six. We'll hear more before 6.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. Mark Forrest, weeknights from seven on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, if we haven't met yet, I'm the new guy on from seven on weekday evenings. Here's the promise. Lively and engaging discussion. Remarkable people with extraordinary stories to tell. All wrapped up in the best music from the last five decades. It's new, it's different, and I think you'll like it. Mark Forrest, weeknights from seven on BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, I interviewed... Uh, interviewed Reg Presley a couple of years ago. He was delightful. He was um, completely bonkers, obsessed with UFOs, and just one of the most humble, or indeed humblest, nicest blokes you could meet. And he passed away yesterday at the age of 71. Reg Presley, we salute thee.
cliche that song isn't it but it's good oh it's a good song he was a such a nice bloke and um he was surprised that even when did i interview him 2011 that uh, even you know in the 21st century people were that interested in his music and he was having a cracking time so well done reg excellent stuff indeed should we have a quick look at the front pages yes why not the daily telegraph tory big guns back gay marriage Cabinet ministers Osborne, Hague and May join forces as growing anger over today's vote threatens to split the party. Just let people get married and be in love, isn't it? That's all right, isn't it? Just let people be in love and get married. Huh? George Osborne, William Hague and Theresa May today join forces to declare that allowing gay marriage is the right thing to do at the right time. Just let people be in love. I don't see what the problem is. Uh, the day Hume's lies finally caught up with him, Chris Hume was yesterday exposed as a serial liar who was prepared to sacrifice his relationship with his son and run up taxpayer-funded bills of £250,000 in his attempt to cheat justice. The texts between Hume and his, his son, I was reading them out today laughing, but they're, they're pretty, pretty harsh. You, you, from a distance, it is kind of funny, but... Uh, I, I was thinking, 20 years down the line, if my boys sent me messages like that, I'd be devastated. I kind of, I've had a rocky relationship with my dad, and for a long time, we didn't, we didn't see each other for 10 years. Uh, and for a long time, we uh, exchanged texts like that. And it's a t- it must be a tough thing for a dad to get texts from his boy saying, jog on, dad. He wasn't saying jog on, he was saying a lot worse. Than that. So Chris Hewn is sending a text saying, all right, son, uh, thinking of you, I hope your exams are going well. And the boy goes, get lost, dad, you're a... A rude word. It's not good, is it? Not good at all. We'll look at more of the front pages a bit later on. They're all Chris Hume. They're all Chris Hume. It's a fascinating story. Uh, Now, when your kids or your grandkids are on the internet, do you know who they're talking to? 
Well, the NSPCC claims children should be given lessons in how to use the internet safely from as young as five or six. They're concerned that rising numbers of youngsters are being exposed to online pornography, cyberbullying and forced into sending indecent images to each other. The warning comes on the BBC's Safer Internet Day, which is highlighting the importance of managing your reputation online. Well, Elaine Chalmers is the Childline Area Manager for the East of England. Elaine, how much of an issue is this? Well, we had last year over 3,500 counselling sessions around these issues with callers aged mostly between 12 and 15 years old. So it, it is a rising issue for us. What exactly are these 12 and 15-year-olds saying? Well, they're talking about being bullied online. They're talking about accessing pornography. And they're talking about actually sending indecent photographs. Are they, the are they compl- this always confuses me. Are they complaining that, that they are accessing pornography? Well, what they're saying is that, it, it, that sometimes they're being forced to watch it. By who? By other friends. It's, it's about peer pressure. Mm. It's about seeing things that you, you know aren't right. But sometimes... Um, like everything else, you can't stop looking, and they begin to feel upset and angry about it. I remember my mate Wayne uh, had a, f- a filthy video, and we all watched it at the age of 14. I hated it, absolutely hated it. And what I did was I get up, got up and walked out of the room. Why, ca- why can't they do that? I think they can, but I think it becomes harder for children. You know, you might be a stronger personality than some other children. You might have the strength to do that. But if your whole life is built around friendships, it's sometimes difficult for children and young people to do that. What, what 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 should parents be doing? Because they can't monitor their kids 24-7, can they? Well, I think you can't monitor your children 24-7. However, what you can do is set boundaries down. For example, you know, we, we wouldn't allow our children to walk out in the streets very late at night, but we somehow allow them to sit in bedrooms looking at the outside world from the bedrooms on the internet. So it's about ensuring that we understand what they're doing, about using the filters that can be provided. It's about educating ourselves and keeping up with our children and understanding what's going on. I would have thought it was easy. You don't get a computer in your room until you're 16, and I'm going to come in and I'm going to check your history any point I like. That should be enough, shouldn't it? Well, one would hope so, but, you know, it's... As I said, not everybody's like you, so we have to keep reminding people that we are moving on, you know, with all the good things that the internet brings, it can also bring some of the bad things into our life. Well, this is the thing as well, is I don't want to lose the fact that the internet is flipping amazing, isn't it? And I do get worried, Elaine, of course we have to protect our kids, and that's, uh, that's exactly what we have to do, and well done for championing this. But I do worry that with things like this, we're kind of, is there not a little bit of scaremongering, and we're losing the sight of the fact that the internet is an amazing resource? It's absolutely amazing. Of course it is. It's amazing if we let our children outside to play. Everything about life is amazing. But what we have to understand is with good comes bad. Yep. And we have to be careful. With uh, great power comes responsibility, whatever the line is. Uh, there's, uh, the, the NSPCC is calling for lessons to be given to five and six-year-olds on, on, on how to use the internet safely. They're trialling that somewhere. I'm sure I read a story a couple of weeks ago that, that, that some area is kind of trialling that. 
I, I'm not so sure about that, but what I do know is that Childline is visiting every primary school in the country to discuss the issues about keeping safe, about child protection, and we want to give people as much information, because information is freedom. It allows you to make good decisions and understand what decisions may be bad for you. Elaine, listen, thank you very much. Elaine Chalmers, Childline Area Manager for the East of England, 08459 455 555. What do you think? Worry about your kids on the internet, or is it a little bit of scaremongering? It's simple. I, to me, or am I being too simplistic? You don't get a computer in your room until you're 16, and I will check your history at any point I want. I, I can stop you mid-flow and look at your, your browsing history, and I know how to find the deleted browsing history, so you're not getting that one past me. Is it that simple, or am I just being quite naive? 08459 455 555. Oh, man. I'm gonna write, I'm starting that Mama Cass book tonight. This is a great song. Stars shining bright above you. Night breezes seem to whisper, I love you. Birds singing in the sycamore tree. Dream a little dream of me Say nighty-night and kiss me Just hold me tight and tell me you'll miss me While I'm alone and blue as can be Dream a little dream of me Leave all worries behind you But in your dreams, whatever they be Dream a little dream of me at the end. Songs don't get much better than that. Mama Cass, Dream a Little Dream of Me. What a voice! What a voice! What a whistle. We're going right to the end with this one. I'm not, I'm not rushing for it. No, no. 
There we go. Beautiful. Travel news now, Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting off on the trains, we have delays of around 20 minutes on First Capital Connect services heading from Hartford North towards Moorgate and also between Stevenage and King's Cross following an earlier signal problem along the line. Unfortunately, still no estimate yet as to uh, when a normal service will resume. Everything else on the trains and tubes, they're not looking too bad at all. Roads actually still coping well on the speed sensors this morning. Motorways moving nicely and also looking good around the usual trouble areas. The uh, A414 and the uh, A405 really not causing too much of a problem at all and uh, heading out towards High Wycombe not looking too bad at all either and the A5 up in Dunstable also uh, coping fairly well this morning everything else not looking too bad at all either Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio Thank you very much Sophie I want your lies this morning dear listener Chris Hume been found guilty of lying what lies have you told? 08459 455 555 and Catherine Boyle I want to hear yours after this please Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. It's 6.30. The headlines. A group of elderly residents say money's the reason they're being forced from their sheltered flats in Kempston. The independent examiner into the deaths of three patients at the Stevenage Surgery Centre says he has confidence in the facility's standards of care. And three of the most senior government ministers have made a last-ditch appeal for support in the Commons vote later today on legalising gay marriage. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. A man's been arrested on suspicion of assault after an incident involving Wickham Wanderers goalkeeper Jordan Archer during their 1-0 win at Gillingham last night. The player didn't receive any treatment and wasn't hurt and he carried on for the remaining few seconds of the match. Stevenage manager Gary Smith is likely to make changes to the team for the visit of Notts County tonight in League One. Borough lost again at the weekend and haven't won at the Lamex Stadium in the league since October. Smith says their home form must improve and is asking the home fans for their continued support. I think the fans have been terrific with the group. A lot of other teams, I think, will have come under a hell of a lot more pressure than our guys have. The only thing I would ask is that they continue to be that way. The, the, the players are, are fully aware of how poor our form is here, and it is that poor. And the Saracens and England winger Chris Ashton's been play, praising his teammate for both club and country, Owen Farrell. The pair played in the opening Six Nations win against Scotland at the weekend. Ashton scored one of the tries and Farrell kicked 18 points. This weekend it's a trip to Ireland and Ashton says Farrell's in tremendous form. The pressure he puts on himself um, is exceptional really for, sort of, for a lad at such a young age. Um, the way he kicks and the way he's just putting his around the field, I think the forwards are helping him a lot as well. But yeah, he's doing a tremendous job at the minute. England's cricketers beat a New Zealand 11 by 46 runs in their opening 2020 warm-up match at the Cobham Mobile. Oval. Uh, Joss Butler top-scored with a 21-ball half-century as he made an unbeaten 57, while Owen Morgan was also unbeaten on 48. England captain Stuart Broad took a hat-trick on his return to action after a heel injury. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at 7 o'clock. God, we're, talk- we're discussing lies this morning, Catherine. Yeah. We're celebrating the magic of the lie after Hoon has been busted. What lies have you told? I bet you told loads. Loads. Well, yeah, when I was a kid, I didn't realise I I was lying I just thought I could do things that I couldn't so yeah. I once told the teacher I could play the piano um, and was called up in assembly to do so you got busted <laughs> yes. what, what did you do uh, did you sit there and hope that some d- divine intervention would allow you to play that piano no I just played it 
badly, like a chimp, but I played it and uh, went back to my seat in silence. That's terrible. <laughs> All the other kids got a lolly. <laughs> <laughs> so what was, tell me the Monkhouse one. That, the I Monkhouse love this. one, um, I was in a choir once when I was about 14 and uh, Bob Monkhouse was presiding over this event in yeah. sort of outdoor garden party fashion. Um, and my friend Jackie said, oh, I really want his autograph. I don't dare go up. So I said, I'll go. I don't mind. So I went up and said, excuse me, Mr. Monkhouse, could I please have your autograph? He said, yeah, sure. What's the name? I said, Jackie. Um, at which point I thought he'd sign and hand over. Yeah. No, he introduced me to his wife. Oh, hey, my wife's also called Jackie. And we had a bit of a conversation. You lied to Monkhouse. Oh, I felt such a fraud. Ian Lee. I was trying to say. What I meant to play was this. Thank you, Catherine. The BBC in beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. What lies have you told, dear listener? 08459 455 555. Coming up in the next half an hour, this year's Rhythms of the World Musical Festival is off. The organisers couldn't find a new venue. We'll hear from the volunteers who say they are devastated that it's not going ahead. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Right. David Cameron will tonight face what's expected to be his biggest ever Commons revolt. Up to half his MPs are preparing to defy him over his plans to allow gay weddings. Many Conservatives say it's not a priority. I'm joined now by a political correspondent, Paul Rowley. Morning, Paul. Morning, Ian. Uh, David Cameron heading for defeat tonight, is he? Far from it. He's going to win quite comfortably, but only with the support of most Labour and Liberal Democrat MPs. His problem is with his own party. Many oppose this move on religious grounds, on the basis that marriage has traditionally been a, a sacred vow between a man and a woman, and this is seen as a conscience issue, so MPs will be allowed a free vote on it. So those who defy the Prime Minister tonight won't be disciplined, uh, and you include here the likes of Mike Penning, Transport Minister, who's a uh, who, who's in Hemel Hempstead, Mark Lancaster, uh, backbench MP in, uh, in Milton Keynes, and uh, they're either going to abstain or vote against the Prime Minister tonight. Uh, and it may be that half his parliamentary party do, including oh. some of his own cabinet. So that's, the, that's where we are, but he will get it through the Commons uh, through the support of the the opposition. But if if there are so many people who who don't support this, and there is a furore about this, why why is he pushing ahead with it? He believes in it. He thinks it's the, it's only fair to extend the institution of marriage to gay couples who at present are allowed to hold civil partnerships, as they're called. But this goes that extra step. Part of the calculation, Ian, is that David Cameron sees himself as a progressive in a in tune with modern Britain, even though it does risk alienating him from a large chunk of his own party, who tend largely to be Tory traditionalists who are older and don't like change. It won't mean that that you're going to get gay weddings in church. Both the Church of England and the Roman Catholic Church are against this idea. So these ceremonies will largely be held in register offices. Although critics fear that once it becomes law, there could then be a challenge in the courts on human rights grounds, which could well be successful. Hence the vehement opposition you're getting within certain sections of the Conservative Party. Now listen, one MP who is... Unlikely to be voting tonight is is Chris Hoon, the for, uh, the career of the former cabinet.
Cabinet Minister over after admitting perverting the course of justice by getting his ex-wife to take his driving penalty points. I found this story fascinating, Paul. What have you made of it all? It's extraordinary. I've known Chris Hune since he and I were on the same newspaper series together 35 years ago. Uh, he's a man who was seen as a future Liberal Democrat leader, maybe even as, as Deputy Prime Minister in a future coalition government, a multi-millionaire, seemingly with the world at his feet. He's now lost his job, lost his wife, he's poised to lose his liberty, and he's facing a prison sentence over something that happened a decade ago before he became an MP. All over what? You know, three penalty points on his licence, which he lost anyway, because he was caught on his mobile phone shortly afterwards while driving. So this is a classic warning to any politician who lies. You know, they they catch up with you in the end. He's lost his son as well. Those texts from his son are incredible reading. Those are the ones that swung it, effectively, I think, those texts, because his son mentioned this uh, offence and he he didn't seem to deny it. And I think those were the bang-to-right governor moments that sealed it, because I didn't think that Chris Hune uh, would be convicted here. I think he calculated uh, that he was going to uh, win it and the police couldn't stand up their case. But he does now join a roll call of the of the disgrace. John Profumo, Jonathan Aitken, Geoffrey Archer, and now the uh, the Right Honourable Christopher Murray-Paul Hune, to give him his full Paul. title. Although the Right Honourable has gone, he's now just Mr Hune. He's Chris. Uh, and once he's behind bars, uh, Ian, he won't even be that. He'll be just a number. Paul, very quickly, we've got 15 seconds. I've got to ask you this. What have you lied about? Can't tell you. Oh, he's sneaky, isn't he? I bet I be- he seems like a nice bloke. Thank you, Paul. Excellent stuff as always. He seems like a nice bloke, Paul Rowley. But I bet there are secrets there. Oh, I bet he's got some dark secrets. What have you lied about, dear listener? Come on, be honest. 08459 455 555. And is there anybody listening to this who doesn't think that gay people should be allowed to get married? Really? Come on, what's the problem? What is the problem with it?
I said we'd have a look at the front pages. We've done the Telegraph. Let's have a look at the rest, shall we? You see what they've done there? Very clever. Very clever. There's, we're talking about lies, and there's, we just played a song that's got the word lies in it. <laughs> that's very, very predictable. Uh, clever. Now, The Guardian. Destro- the whole front page is, uh, is Hewn. Destroyed by a 10-year lie. Hewn faces jail after admitting admitted speeding Dodge. Ex-Lib Dem cabinet minister quits politics and text revealed in court expose scale of family rift. The texts between him and his son are incredible. And I was reading that this morning and chuckling, but they're not funny. I've sent a few texts like that to my old man in the past. We're, 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 we're cool now, but in the past I have done. But imagine getting texts like that from your son. Hello, son. Hope you're doing well in your exams. Thinking of you. Naff off, Dad. Didn't say naff. Yeah, it said the other word. The Independent. There's a shot right up Chris Hoon's nose. He's got a hairy right nostril. Thank you, Independent, for that. Ruined for, the, ruined for three penalty points. After ten years of deceit, two years of brazen denials, the disintegration of his family and a year of legal wrangling that cost half a million pounds, the former Cabinet Minister Chris Hoon pleads guilty to perverting the course of justice over a speeding offence and now faces jail. They're also talking about gay marriage, the final showdown, last-ditch lobbying as MPs prepare for historic vote. Re- really? I cannot see what the problem is in gay people getting married. All they're doing is going, hey, do you know what? I love this person and we're going to make a commitment to stay w- together for the rest of our lives. It might not work, but we're going to have a darn good go at it. That, that has to be celebrated, doesn't it? 08459 555 At The Times, more about Hoon. Um, ITV is going to screen a new version of Thunderbirds. Oh, please. The first one was rubbish. Thunderbirds are go for TV comeback, page three. Computer technology means 60, 60s puppets will be able to show emotion for the first time. Oh, it's going to be awful. The original Thunderbirds was awful. One of those terrible programmes that everyone goes, oh, Thunderbirds? Stingray? Fireball XL5? No. Rubbish. Absolute tosh. Um, and also on the Times, Alfred the Great, next in line to be dug up. After the car park king comes the cemetery sovereign. The remains of Richard III were confirmed yesterday, but archaeologists are already looking to track down the next lost king, Alfred the Great, reputedly buried in an unmarked grave in Winchester. Oh, for goodness Really? We've better things to do with our time, haven't we? And digging up dead kings. The Daily Express, Liahoon is facing jail. Text from Sun, snare MP over speed band dodge. And beware, winter blasts back. Motorists face more misery today with warnings of snow chaos. Now, is that a picture? Is that a current picture or is that an old picture? I think that's an old picture they put on the front page. That's cheating, isn't it? Then you turn to page three to follow the story and you see uh, Destiny's Child have reformed, the, the group with uh, Beyonce. And it is great to see that Beyonce, who is a devout Christian, is um, showing her respect to God by dressing like a prostitute. Because that's what she's done. I like Beyonce. Listen, I think Beyonce's brilliant and she's doing a world tour. Me and the missus, we're going to go. We're not paying £1,000 for the front row seats. You can forget that. Jog on, love. But we will probably go. But she is always banging on about how she loves Jesus and she's a devout Christian. She dresses like a cheap hooker. Is that really what God wants? I don't know. The Daily Mail, uh, the man who ran out of lies, Chris Hume, 
and The Sun. Evan sent DJ Chris Lineker and TV Pierce pay for Gaza US rehab. Alcoholic Paul Gascoigne jetted to the US last night after star friends led by DJ Chris Evans teamed up to pay for emergency rehab. Great story. He'll only dry up if he wants to dry up. I suspect he doesn't want to. So you can throw as much money as you wanted it. It won't necessarily solve the problem. And, you know, good that attention has been drawn to it. But what about all those people that haven't got multi-millionaire um, showbiz friends to help pay for them to have treatment and are suffering? You see? 08459 455 555. 645. Travel News Now. Sophie Tyler. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting to look a little bit busy now. Anti-clockwise on the M25 between 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Also building up as well, approaching 21 at the uh, M1 there. Now the A405 North Orbital Road also looking heavy on the speed sensors at the moment. Just approaching the M25 Junction 21A at the roundabout there. Everything else on the roads not actually looking too bad. The rest of the motorways are coping fairly well this morning. But on the trains, don't forget, we do have delays of 20 minutes on First Capital Connect between Hartford North and Moorgate and Stevenage and King's Cross following a signal problem along the line. So do check before you travel this morning. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. Morning, it's 6.46. It's Tuesday the 5th of February. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A group of elderly residents says money is the reason they're being forced out of their sheltered accommodation to make way for families. An independent examination into the deaths of three patients at the Stevenage Surgery Centre has found no fault with the way they were treated. In sport, four-time Olympic medalist Rebecca Adlington is expected to confirm her retirement from swimming later today. Coming up, this year's Rhythms of the World Musical Festival is off. The organisers couldn't find a new venue. Well, before seven, we'll hear from the volunteers who say they're devastated it's not going ahead. But before that, let's get the weather. Here's Kate Kinsella. Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, it's a bitterly cold start to the day. Temperatures, though, hovering above freezing across Bedfordshire, Hertfordshire and Buckinghamshire around 1 or 2 Celsius. So above freezing. Some of us do have a small bit of frost on windscreens, though. The road surface is actually colder as well. We do have a weather warning in place issued by the Met Office for ice, particularly for untreated roads and surfaces. We had some showers overnight, which have frozen and creating a bit of black ice out there. So extra care needed on the roads this morning. Now, it's a bright start. Not plenty of sunshine around first thing, but as we head through the day, we'll notice the cloud thick and one or two sleet and snow showers likely as we head through the course of the day as well. Now, the reason it's feeling so cold is the wind. There's a strong, bitter westerly wind, quite blustery as well, especially as we head through the last part of the afternoon. So something to watch out for. Wrap up warm, very, very cold out there. Now, temperature wise, we're looking at a maximum of four, possibly five Celsius. That's 41 degrees in Fahrenheit. Now, overnight tonight uh, we'll continue to see some sleet maybe some rain towards lower levels as we head out towards the Chilterns however the higher ground we could see uh, some more in the way of snow nothing too dramatic but we could get a light covering that really from this afternoon onwards but overnight it will gradually move out of the way strong winds continue uh, with possibly some gales towards the early hours of tomorrow morning minimum temperature just one Celsius that's 34 degrees in Fahrenheit and the outlook for the rest of the week. We are hanging on to these very cold temperatures and also the wind for a while as well. One or two sleet and snow showers around but also some sunshine. That's your forecast. Thank you, Kate. 
Three Counties Sport. Join me, Jeff Doyle, and me, Luke Ashmeet. Monday nights from six will feature sports such as darts. I have a dartboard in my garage. When you go out to the hockey, yeah. how many would you score? 40. On average. Yeah. I've never hit 180 though. I reckon if I gave up my job, packed everything in, yeah, go on. within five years, yeah. I could be competing with the professionals. Never. Absolutely no Five chance. years. <laughs> Three Counties Sports. Monday nights from six. On BBC Three Counties Radio. I am Luke the Force Ashmead. No. <laughs> Organisers of the Rhythms of the World Festival in Hitchin are determined to find a new venue for next summer after being forced to cancel this year's event. Having been prevented from staging it at Hitchin Priory, attempts were made to secure a different site without success. It's disappointing news for some local traders and residents. My name's Lewis Page, I'm from Hitchin. I work in the Cafe Region town. I'm disappointed they've cancelled it because I can't go to it and I love it. Though it hasn't been the same since they, they've moved it from the town centre and put it in the Priory because before that I think it was Europe's biggest free music festival. But in terms of work here, when we move the world on because everyone's in town, and then because they're normally very drunk when they leave, then they don't really come here because it's a, it's a restaurant. Like you get a couple of people coming in, oh, I have a cappuccino, but apart from that, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty dead. And would you like to see it return? Yeah, 100%, definitely. It's like one of the highlights of the year in Hitchin. I'm not happy because I think Rhythm of the World is something that everyone looks forward to every year. And looking forward to something every year and it just cancelled because they ain't got a venue. I think that they should bring it back to where it was for the community. In the community, there's a lot of ethnic minority people around here and they always look forward to Rhythm of the World every year. Do you think that's feasible, having it all over the town again? I think that that, that would be very, very good for the community to not have it in the Priory because when it was right around the town everyone used to have more fun enjoy it you could go where you want to go and I, I think when they put it in the Priory I think that was a bad idea and it will affect your business will it it would affect my business because I'm a trader I do Caribbean food and I would like it to be on because I look forward to that little day in the summer every year and things is really tight at the minute so reading of the world being cancelled is like whoa is where you're going to really try and make up something for the business. Business is really slow at the minute. It's kind of sad because, like, Rhythms is really good. But I kind of understand why they've done it. Like, the amount of people that come every year, especially last year, and there's just more and more people coming, which I guess is why they moved it to Priory in the first place. But they're not going to make as much money if they move it back into town. Would you like to see it continue in future? Yeah, yeah, it's really fun. <laughs> like, it's really good, and it's really sad that it's not happening anymore. What's the best thing about it for you? General, like, music and everyone's there, like, all your friends are there at the same time, and it's just really nice to spend a weekend with everyone and listen to music at the same time. How do you feel about it? The atmosphere there is really good, so like not having that to look forward to in the summer's, summer's not really going to be the same without the festival this year. Does it come as a surprise to you that it's had to be postponed? Yeah, because I just thought that quite a lot of people care about it, so quite a few people would have tried to make it work. Well, Nick Kozak has uh, volunteered at the festival and is part of the band The October Game, who have played there many times. Morning, Nick! Good morning. I've never been to Rhythms of the World. I've uh, interviewed people who've worked there and I've heard great things about it. Can you sum up Rhythms of the World for me? Uh, well, I mean, in short, it's, the, it's definitely the greatest event uh, that occurs in Little Old Hitchin. Um, uh, and it's also hard to think of an event that has so steadily improved over the years, the way um, you, you have just the perfect mix of music, as the name suggests, from all over the world, from the local area, from... You know, as far afield as the Caribbean and Tibet, and 
yeah, uh, the atmosphere and the event and the music uh, is exceptional and incredible, and uh, that would be how I would describe it. What's it like as a band to play there, Nick? Uh, it's very good, as well. Um, the thing which is amazing about it, particularly recently now that it had moved, or yeah, in the recent past when it moved to the Priory, um, is it's amazing to have such a high-end professional event uh, on your doorstep when you're a local band to actually go and you know, be treated like you're playing a proper festival, as it were, is, uh, was exceptional. It's amazing. You made the move from, from being in the band to, to volunteering there as well. Why, why did you do that? Uh, well, any chance to go <laughs> as much as possible uh, for free and to help out and uh, in a, in, you know, to help out with it, really. That's, uh, that's why it's excellent. You live in Hitchin. Won't be mm-hmm. the festival there this year. How do you think that's going to be reflected in Hitchin? Uh, well, I mean, as I say, it's, it's, it's the best event that happens, so something else, I suppose, will have to take its place, and it won't be as good, and uh, that'll, be, that'll be the result of our summer, is it won't be as good as if there were rhythms of the world. Nick, listen, thank you very much, uh, much Nick Kozak, uh, volunteered at the festival, and is part of the band The October Game. Oh, 08459 <laughs> Could hide neath the wings of the bluebird as she sings. The six o'clock alarm would never ring, but it rings and I rise, wipe the sleep out of my eyes. My shaven razor's cold and it stings. Night on his steed. Now you know how happy I can be. Oh, and our good time starts and then without dollar one to spend. But how much, baby, do we? So there's a bonkers bloke in the paper, The Sun, page 27. 
I think she likes me clever. So this fella um, meets this girl. They go on one date and he gets her name tattooed on his face. But not just like a little Sally, you know, on his cheek or something like that. Look at that! His whole face is covered in her name in rubbish gothic writing. Why would you do that? What's her name? Well, she's changed name, I think. Her name, she calls herself now Lesia Tumiantz. They're, they're Russian, of course. They're Russian. Ridiculous. I've said this before. I hate the tats. Who was that silly woman, that attention-seeking muppet? Burko. Sally Burko. She got her kids' names tattooed on her wrist as a tribute to her children. What? Get, get a picture. Put it in, in your wallet. Have a, have, wear one of those lockets with a picture in. I love my kids. I'd do anything for my kids. Took him to the library yesterday. That was a nightmare. But it was a nightmare. You're in libraries. When do they... Ch- I was talking to the librarian, because in libraries now, in kids' sections, you're allowed... To, they have toys, and you're allowed to run around and make as much noise as you want. There were drums there in a library. And I said to the woman, Oi, when... I didn't say, oi, that would be rude. I said, excuse me. That was better. Excuse me, when, when did this change? I remember being five, and the library in Slough, Wentworth Road, uh, I was told... I was made to stand outside for being too noisy. And then I was being noisy outside, and the library librarian came out and told me off for being noisy outside the library nowadays you can run around they've got cars you drive about in there with drums all kinds of things how on earth did i get onto that from tattoos i have no 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 idea whatsoever let's get the travel news shall we sophie tyler beds hearts and bucks travel bbc three counties radio Starting on the M25, anti-clockwise is still building up between 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Also beginning to look slow as well around Junction 21 at the M1. Now the A405, North Orbital Road also queuing where you'd expect at the M25 Junction 21A roundabout and also usual delays now beginning to show southbound on the uh, Barnet Bypass just between Stirling Corner and the Watford Bypass. Also slow as well on the A10, that's the Great Cambridge Road heading south, particularly between uh, Baltimore Lane and Southbury Road everything else really not looking too bad at all all seems to be moving nicely elsewhere on the motorways but on the trains first capital connect have delays of 20 minutes in Hartford North and Moorgate and Stevenage and Kings Cross all following a signal problem along the line so do check before you travel Sophie Tyler BBC Three Counties Radio Thank you Sophie I want you to be honest with me this morning as we celebrate the magical downfall of Chris Hoon what lies have you told I'll tell you mine after seven let's get the latest news and sport from Catherine Boyle Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking This is BBC Three Counties Radio Good morning. The headlines. Elderly forced to make way for families. Independent report back Stevenage Surgery Centre and fan arrested for attack on Wickham goalkeeper. BBC Three Counties Radio. The elderly residents of sheltered flats in Kempston say money's at the root of plans to force them from their homes. Bedfordshire Pilgrims Housing Association are planning to redevelop Williamson Court to accommodate families on their waiting list. It means around 30 pensioners, like 79-year-old Norman Freeman, will have to find somewhere new. But we officially found out last week I felt let down, and I just—it's terrible. You know, you've got friends all around here. It's it's lovely. We got everything's close by, knitted together. Terrible. Everyone was down. Everyone's been down in in Willowson Court here for over a week now. 
The independent examiner looking into the deaths of three patients at the Lister Surgery Centre says he has confidence in the care they received there. As part of his investigation, Dr Alan Fletcher is calling for a number of improvements, but Stevenage MP Stephen McPartland believes the problems highlighted by the report mean the facility should go to the NHS to control. Three of David Cameron's most senior ministers have made a last-ditch attempt to persuade scores of Conservative MPs to drop their opposition to the government's proposals for gay marriage in a vote in the Commons later. Here's our deputy political editor, James Landale. This afternoon, MPs will at last vote on the Marriage Same-Sex Couples Bill, the legislation that would allow gay couples to marry. It's a free vote, so MPs can, in theory, do what their consciences and not what their whips dictate. But that hasn't stopped the Conservative leadership trying to win over sceptical Tories. MPs. George Osborne, William Hague and Theresa May say in a letter to the Daily Telegraph that gay marriage is the right thing to do at the right time. Downing Street sources insisted last night that more than half of Tory backbenchers could still oppose the bill. Water and sewerage bills in England and Wales are to rise by an average of 3.5% from April. The industry regulator Ofwat says that's equivalent to an extra £13 a year. The group behind Hertfordshire's Rhythms of the World Festival are determined to bring it back next year. This summer's event's been called off after the owners of Hitchin Priory refused to host it. One of the festival's organisers is Kath Cole. We are looking at all sorts of options. Um, you know, there were some very good reasons for us having to move out of the town centre. And I think as time's gone on, you know, some of those have been forgotten. So our motto, never say never, we could never have the sort of festival that we used to have in the town centre. A Hertfordshire man who accidentally invited thousands of Facebook users to his 21st birthday party is urging others to be more cautious online. Ollie Borman from Wellin was charged with causing a public nuisance in September. He'll be talking live to Ian Lee in the next hour as part of Safer Internet Day. A man, uh, finally in sport, a man's been arrested on suspicion of assault after an incident involving Wickham Wanderers goalkeeper Jordan Archer during their 1-0 win at Gillingham last night. The player didn't receive any treatment and wasn't hurt and carried on for the remaining few seconds of the match. The weather, bright spells and light snow showers with a top temperature of 5 degrees Celsius. That's 41 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. <laughs> This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. First hour's gone, what happened? I blinked and I missed it. If you've just joined us, welcome. Lots coming up. We're celebrating the magic of lies today. What's your lie? What have you told? I'll tell you mine in a little bit. It's nothing major. You know, I didn't say I didn't know where the body was and I did. There was nothing like that. But I'll tell you in a bit. Other things we're covering between now and eight. People in their 90s are among residents who say they are being forced out of sheltered accommodation to make way for families. I'll be speaking to the Housing Association next to find out exactly what's going on. Ever found yourself sharing too much information on the internet? We're an idiot if you do. We're going to hear why a 21-year-old man from Hertfordshire wishes he hadn't put details on Twitter about a party he was planning. And this year's Rhythms of the World won't go ahead. Volunteers say they're really disappointed. The performance director will be joining me to explain why and telling me what's going to be happening next year. Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can text, but do put your name on it, please. Otherwise, I'm not reading it out. 81333. Start your texts. 3CR. Or you can give me a call. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Elderly residents in Kempston who are being forced to move from their homes claim it's uh, so their housing association can rent out the homes to families instead for more money. Norman Freeman and more than 30 others at Williamson Court are having to go elsewhere after Bedfordshire Pilgrims Housing Association decided to close their sheltered accommodation. Reporter Serena Farrow dropped by just as they were playing bingo. All the eights. Thank you, Wobbler. All the fours. Droopy draws. Four and three, 43. Nine. I was bought and bred in Kempston. That's why I want to stay. It's closer to the town and I've made a lot of friends here. I mean, we come down for bingo, we come down for cups of tea in the morning and afternoon. Very unfair. So where will you go? Have you got any idea? No. <laughs> I'm waiting to hear from them. They're going to bring a list round of what's going. So have you got any family that could sort it out for you? Have you, well, have you got I've to do got it? I've got a good friend that helps me. They reckon it's because they got cut back on the wardens. Right. Do you, how many wardens do you have here now then? One. Not a regular one. We have one visit every day at the moment and they reckon before I come here the warden used to live on the premises. Six and five, the old age pension. Nine. Seven. Fifteen. Five and six and eight and seven. Correct. You nearly missed it. Nearly called the next one. Norman Freeman. Near the longest, yeah. It'll be coming up to 20 years. So you're how old now? I'll be 79 in a fortnight on Valentine's Day. I don't want to move out of here or or out of Kemps in any case. Someone says to you, what's so special about here? Why won't you move? It's convenient. You've got the shops to clear by, the bus service, friends, everything. Now we're going to move us, we don't know where. The onus is on you, isn't it? Yeah, we got a chance. I'll put down for free in Kempston. And have you got any family that are helping you? Not really. No. I've got a daughter I've seen once in two years. She's got in touch with me because I've, I've been ill, haven't I? Yeah. yeah. And are you hoping Pilgrims will give you some help, though, and support I, you? I hope so, yeah. Yeah, it's supposed they to be, anyhow. They promised us, yeah. I used to put a light bulb in. I'll have a job to get up and I won't get up anymore. So you rely on the warden, don't you, really, coming yeah. around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For you, it's going to be a major upheaval, but you have got all these other factors to consider, haven't you? You've got to have wardens. If, I suppose you can't be on a first floor, can you? You want to be on a ground floor. Ground floor, flat if possible, yeah. Right. But they reckon these places should have a lift. That's another reason I closing it down. It's out of date, this place, they reckon. They don't want to put no more money into the heating... So now the vast is all to move out because they can't put no more money into the place. So do you think they'll get more money from families than they do yeah, from the yeah. older people, yeah. so to speak, mature yeah. people? Yeah, I think so. I mean, all the rent will be the same, wouldn't it? It would be, it'll be like some of us are on benefits and things like that, where your rent's not so high. We've got to find a place to, to move into, but I prefer to be up here because my son's up this end and I've got my daughter at the other end. It all depends what they've got. A bit hard, really, I mean, it's not fair, you know, you're not really having to give up a lot, you know. As far as I know, they're going to give you a list, and if you pick up from there, and then they'll go around with it and see what it's like. My son and daughter's going to do mine for me, because I don't know, I don't know where to go. And there's a lot of, a lot of old ladies that have been here a lot longer than me, and I felt very upset over it. I've got enough of my health to worry about before all this business. And this stress doesn't help either? I think that's a lot to do with stress at the moment. Worrying, that's what it is, yeah. worrying. Well, Marie Taylor is the head of supported housing at the BPHA, Bedfordshire Pilgrims Housing Association. Why are these people moving, Marie? Um, we've made a decision to close Williamson Court because it's not the modern kind of accommodation that we want going forward in the future. Um, so what happens to these people? 
Well, we'll be able to rehouse all of the people and we've got plenty of time to do it. So we'll be able to give them a choice. And I heard a lot of people there say that they'd like to stay in Kempston. And I think we'll be able to do that where people want to do that. How much time have they got? When do they have to move out? There's no deadline about when people have to move out. It takes as long as it takes. What, what a year? Five years? Three months? What? You must have a, a, a schedule in mind. Well, usually it takes less than 12 months when we've needed to decant a scheme that we're going to redevelop because we're going to redevelop the site. So it is about money? No, it's not about money. It's about actually providing modern homes for people. And Williamson Court, although a lovely scheme, doesn't reach those modern standards looking forward. But it's going to be replaced by family housing. I'm assuming there is more money in that for for you. No, no, not... There's no more money? No. It's exactly the same or less? It's it's the same sort sort of arrangement. We'll replace it with more modern homes, with homes that will last further into the future. So it's a very strategic decision. So BPHA will not be making any more money than they're making now because of uh, the the, the family housing that's going to be built there? No. Okay. What about the compensation that these people are going to get? Well, because we're asking people to move home, we're paying them a disturbance payment to help them with all of the, the costs of moving. And we're also paying them a home loss payment because they are losing their home. Um, and that compensates them for the inconvenience that, that we're causing. How, how, much is that, how much is that money altogether? Um, altogether, it's £6,000. Does that really compensate a 90-year-old for, who's lived in their house or their flat for, for 20 years, all the, the stress and the upset and the worry? Six grand? Uh, that's the figure that we've come to. And How did you come to that? Um, the, the home loss payment is um, laid down and then we worked out a disturbance payment based on the kind of costs of a removal company and some of the other things. But do you think, as, as, as a human being, Marie, do you think that £6,000 is, is, is enough to, to cover the stress and the upset of moving people who may have been in their home for 20 years and are, are in their 80s and their 90s? Well, we think combined with the help that we'll give people to move to a new home, we'll make the process very much less stressful and we help people find new accommodation and we think with all of the people here often their accommodation will be perhaps more spacious than Williamson Court but they won't be next next door to their friends that they've they've built up relationships with will they often they'll move into other sheltered community schemes where you know they will be able to play bingo like we heard them in yeah but they won't be next uh, 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 but that's just like saying hey you're old you'll get on with this person because she's old as well they've built up relationships and friendships and they know the person next door and the person over the hallway and the person who's on the the flat and the one below them they won't be next to those people will they well we'll be moving people over i say a long period of time over 12 months and it may well be that some as we have three or four schemes in Kempston, so no. people will be next door to their current neighbours in the new schemes that they move to. But, but, but unlikely? In some cases it will happen. How many cases do you reckon? It, it depends. It depends on where... It's unlikely, isn't it? Let's be honest. It's unlikely. You're moving people all across the, the, the place. It's unlikely they're going to be next door to the person that they've maybe lived next door to for 10, they 15 years. They will end up in another scheme where somebody else from Williamson Court also mm-hmm. gets rehoused. What help are you offering them? Well, we'll be popping out to Williamson Court every time that choice-based settings open to show them what properties are on offer in that fortnight. Um, If people want us to, 
we will bid on their behalf if they don't feel comfortable using the internet we'll be able to bid on their behalf obviously where a property that's been advertised is actually vacant people can go around and have a look at that property um, sometimes we advertise the properties before they're actually vacant, so we won't be able to do it in all cases. But we'll try and do it where we can. Norman, who's, um, uh, I think was 79 and has lived there for 20 years, he told me he found out about this through a letter. Yes, that's right. We did write to everybody. It's a bit cold, isn't it, Marie? We, we wrote to everybody and invited them to a meeting the next day so that we could talk to them. But a letter person. still is a little bit... Hey, you've lived here for 20 years, you're 79, you're out. It's a little bit cold, isn't it, really? Well, we did both. We met them in person and sent them a letter. Okay, which came first? The letter yeah. came first to okay. tell them... It's a little bit cold, them. isn't it? It is, it is a bit cold, isn't it? You've lived in... Imagine living somewhere for 20 years and, and getting a letter saying, well, hey, listen, it's time to move on. It, that's cold, isn't it? And I know you said you met them, and that's, that's fantastic, but it, it, it's a little bit cold, isn't it? It wasn't the first communication that we had with residents, and we did... Um, that was the decision was made following a consultation with residents. So okay, residents that's the first time knew, Norman found out. Residents knew that a decision was coming. OK. Supposing you offer all these, these new uh, properties to people and they go, nope, don't like that one. No, don't like that one. What happens? Can you force them to move? Um, well, we'd have to take a decision to do that. We haven't decided to do that just yet. But you could? Um, that would be something that's in the future, de- depending on how people... Supposing they all say, do you know what, Marie, we're not going anywhere. Make us. You, 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 would force, you could force them, could you? That's not what people have said to us so far. When we went to chat to people, they were all talking about where they would like to go. Mm. You heard quite a Norman, few Norman was, wasn't looking forward to moving at all. He was dreading the prospect. Quite a few people in the, the clip that you played were mentioning about how they'd like to stay in Kempston. So yeah. people have been thinking about it. Yeah. Because they've got no choice. Well... People have been thinking about what... Nor- Norman, who we are. spoke to, is not looking forward to moving at all, and he's quite anxious and stressed about it. So if he, if he decides to stay there, would you force him to move? That's not a decision I can make right now. I'm um, going to interpret that as, I'm sure the listener will, as a yes. That's not a decision I'm able to make. That would be a decision... But someone would make that decision. Someone well, would make that decision to, to force him. The would have to look at Forcing everything him. that has happened by the time it came to okay. looking at one individual about moving. But it's not a decision I'm making on the telephone now. OK, but, but the organisation could force a 79-year-old man to move, if they so desired. Well, they could only do. if they chose to, and I'm, okay. not, I'm saying the organisation hasn't made that choice OK, yet. Marie, thank you very much. Marie Taylor, the Head of Supported Housing at BPHA, Bedfordshire Pilgrims Housing Association. The reason I'm getting a little bit frustrated is that these, these, are, these are elderly people. These are people in their 70s and their 80s and their 90s, uh, where stress, the stress of moving and of considering themselves homeless, is quite a powerful thing. We should be looking after these people. We should be embracing them. We should be going and listening to their stories and uh, going and play bingo with them and hanging out with them and not just saying, hey, we're going to move you somewhere else. Don't worry, you'll be with more old people. You'll get on. You, you, you've, you're, you're both old people. 08459 455 555 716 nearly. Here's the travel news now. Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
queuing anti-clockwise on the M25 between Junction 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield and also again around Junction 21 at the M1 still looking fairly slow there heading south on the Barnet Bypass through Borehamwood it is also queuing between Stirling Corner and the Watford Bypass and the A10 that's the Great Cambridge Road still slow as well between Bullsmore Lane and Southbury Road delays of 20 minutes on First Capital Connect between Hartford North and Moorgates and also between Stevenage and King's Cross still following a signal problem along the line so do check before you travel everything else not looking too bad at all Sophie Tyler BBC Three Counties Radio Thank you Sophie Morning at 7.16 it's Tuesday the 5th of February these are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio The elderly residents of sheltered flats in Kempston say money is at the root of plans to force them from their homes The independent examiner looking into the deaths of three patients at the Lister Surgery Centre says he has confidence in the care they receive there in sport, England's cricketers beat a New Zealand uh, beat New Zealand eleven. Oh, I see. Okay, well that's the name of a team, is it? Beat a New Zealand eleven by forty six runs in their opening twenty twenty warm up match at the Cobham Oval. Good for them. Well done, guys. The weather today for beds, hearts, and bucks: bright spells and light snow showers with a top temperature of five degrees. Coming up, a Hertfordshire man who accidentally invited thousands of Facebook and Twitter users to his twenty first birthday party is urging others to be more cautious online. We'll speak to him about what happened before 7.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. Tackling your consumer problems on BBC Three Counties Radio. Don't worry about that loan now. The whole amount has just been taken off. You don't owe a penny. Gosh, I can't believe this. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. This has been six years of hell. Fighting for your rights. You've done more in two weeks than I've done in six years. I can't thank you enough. You've fought it and you've won it. Well, you won it for me. Thank you so much, Jonathan. If you have a consumer problem, we can do the same for you. Call the team now. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. When your kids are on the internet, do you know who they're talking to or how much information they're sharing? Well, today is Safer Internet Day and the BBC is providing advice on how young people can protect their online reputation. 21-year-old from Hertfordshire, Ollie Boorman, decided to throw a house party to celebrate his birthday. The problem was, he tweeted about it. Next thing he knew, a thousand people turned up and the police were called. Ollie ended up being charged with causing a public nuisance, having to stick to a two-month curfew and pay Hertfordshire police a £500 fine for their trouble. Our reporter, Lorna Hankin, has been to Welling Garden City. She met this man who said he went to Ollie's party after seeing it on social media. I was going all over Twitter and everything, and then all my mates got in touch with me. Started heading over there. And what was it like when you got here? How many people were there? Oh, there was loads. Loads. Full of police as well. God, there was probably like ten meat wagons, loads of cars. God, there was loads of them patrolling and everything. And when you turned up, were you told to leave? They couldn't say anything, really, because it's private property. And did you go in the house or just no, outside? It was, it was only right in his garden. It was a big garden. Went over in the fields, I think. Messy, junk people all on the floor. I think I left about three, and it was still going on. Then this neighbour came back from holiday the next day to find out what had happened next door the night before. We were on a holiday, and when we came back, the taxi driver that picked us up from the airport told us all about it because he was the guy that was picking them up from the station and bringing them here. Bearing in mind the party was the day before, there wasn't one piece of paper, rubbish, everything had been cleared up. We were absolutely amazed, and we couldn't believe... Well, we read it in the paper how many people had been here, we just couldn't believe it. But then all the neighbours told us, and they said how responsible um, the boys had been, 
had organised everything, he'd sorted it out. None of them were complaining. I mean, on the night it was sort of a bit bewildering for them, but they were all sort of saying how well they'd done because they were only going to have a small party by comparison and everybody came up, and I assume it went on Twitter or Internet or whatever, and they just arrived, apparently. We've got different opinions from everybody, neighbours, but everybody said it was such a shame it happened. And they also went on to say it's a shame we got in so much, so much trouble. Joining us live now is the man himself, Ollie Borman. Morning, Ollie. Hello there. What on earth were you thinking? Um, well, it's 21st birthday, so uh, I don't know. I just put out the invites, not actually realising that it would go that far. So you put it on Twitter? Yeah. How many, how many friends did you send it to on Twitter? Um... At the time, I had about 210 followers, so it would have just got out to them. Hang hang on a minute. This is at your mum and dad's house, yeah? Yeah. Still, 210 people is a massive amount. Yeah, I've I've had parties for my 18th, and they all went presumably fine, so they let me sort of get on with it. Wow. Trusted me. Yeah. So you, you sent it to these 210 people, which I would suggest is far too many. And uh, what, they all retweeted it, and then their retweets got retweeted? I presume so, yeah, and it went very far. How many people turned up? Um, I'd say over a thousand, probably <laughs> looking into fifteen hundred. <laughs> At what point did you think uh, this is maybe getting a little bit out of hand? Um, or, did, or did you not? I did. I did think it, like there's a lot of people here, but there wasn't a great deal of trouble or violence or aggression from anyone. No. So it all seemed fine while well, I was looking at it, but. Well, as far as, far as how many people there were, yeah, then yeah, it was out of hand. What, was there any damage caused? Cigarette ash on the carpet? Wine spelt, spilt on the sofa? Anything like that? Um, well, the party actually all took place outside, so the inside of the house was fine. Um, nothing actually got broken, but there was a lot of rubbish everywhere, um, which took me about three full days to clean up. OK. Uh, and you got fined 500 quid? Yep. H- how are you paying that? Um, I've actually already paid that off, but... Um, uh, yeah, I did actually accept with court to do a monthly payment, but which I have actually cleared. Good for you. But the, the, is it true the police wanted a bit more? Yeah, they actually wanted £4,600 in start as I walked into court, and then um, we managed to get it down to 500 What did your parents say, Ollie? Um, not too much. Considering the fact that I did tidy it all up, I think they were just shocked that there was that many people and that lit- and there was no damage or anything wrong how big is your garden and your house if you can fit 1500 people in there and it, it, it looks a little bit busy um the garden's about three to four acres flip oh, that's a field that's not a garden yeah <laughs> well with that, we're, we're, ollie we'll end it there i think we've been slightly misled as, as to the size of that story it's a field it's not a garden jog on next <laughs> next that's not the story that was sold to me next Oh, dearie me. We can talk to Dr Simon Moore's vice chair. It's a field, not a garden! It's a field! I could get 1,500 people in a field! We can talk now to Dr Simon Moore's vice chair of Conservative Technology Forum. Morning, Doctor. Morning. What, the, the, the internet's not all bad, is it? I do worry that there's a lot of scaremongering and fear around the internet, when actually, it's an amazing resource, isn't it? Absolutely so. And I remember you mentioned a field. I remember... Back in the 1990s, exactly the same thing happened as the previous story, but to a house at the end of the road where my office was, and the internet wasn't needed for that either. No, exactly. That's just, that's just hijinks. That's word getting passed around and a load of old nonsense. Yes, exactly. What do you, what, we do hear all these stories. 
paedophiles, childhood, children being forced to watch pornography, cyberbullying. Is it a real problem or are we blowing it out of proportion? I think it's a problem we have to be aware of. And many people use the, the analogy of the old railways, either in the Wild West or here, um, to actually express the problems surrounding the safety of the Internet. When you have a, a fantastic medium of communication like the Internet, uh, indeed, like the railways, you're, you're going to attract people who will try and exploit it. And uh, that's true of any system. Uh, it can be a transport system. It can be a communication system. And that's very, very true of the Internet. The Internet has brought us a huge amount of good. After all, our economy virtually runs on it these days. But at the same time, there are opportunities for exploitation, and we see an awful lot of that either through very clever people or indeed sometimes through very stupid people too. We were talking to the NSPCC earlier on, and they were talking about younger people um, being bullied and abused on, on, on the internet and stuff. And I, th- th- this, is, this would be my solution. I've got two boys. They're very young. They're three and one. But this would be my solution. And I don't know if I'm being naive here, Doctor. They're not allowed a computer in their room until they're 16 years old. And I, while they're living in my house, I have the right to go and look at their history, their, their internet, their browsing history, whenever I want. That's, that, that would do it, wouldn't it? That's, I think, absolutely sensible. I mean, first of all, when you have a young person in the home, I think uh, one has to exercise a le- level of uh, common sense there. And certainly in a room, you should have a room where certainly that person or that young person has a PC or a computer that people can see. And at the same time that uh, you have possible antivirus software, which blocks um, unpleasant sites. The problem we're facing now, though, is the, the spread of uh, devices like tablets and mobile phones. Mm. And government, um, and indeed agencies like uh, Get Safe Online and others, haven't quite cracked um, how to deal with the, the problems this is now starting to serve uh, the younger generation. When, of course, everything that was associated with bigger computers is now available on um, tablet devices and indeed on mobile phones. I, uh, I'm addicted to Twitter, Doctor. I have a, a love-hate relationship with Twitter. I'd love... I deactivated my account over the weekend, and the freedom I felt was amazing. But uh, uh, Twitter is like a fine heroin. You, once you've... Uh, oh, I won't touch that. Once you touch it, you can't stop using it. Is, uh, are you finding more and more people are becoming addicted to things like Twitter and Facebook? I think that's right. Uh, I have to confess I have a Twitter account now, and there is a a certain addiction around it as you find you get more and more followers and you feel almost compelled, and you may have found the same thing, Mm. almost compelled to write something just to let people know what you're doing. If I recall, it was Stephen Fry who became uh, so fed up with it and the number of followers he was getting, he just cut himself off from it for a while. See, I'd like to. I've got, no, got 34,000 followers, and losing that audience, I don't know if it's my ego, I don't know what it is, but losing that number of followers in one fell swoop, oh, it, it fills me with dread. What's your Twitter feed, Simon? We're going to send more people your way, just to make you a bit more anxious. Yeah, I'm Simon Moores. Brilliant. Listen, you got in there first. Excellent stuff. Dr Simon Moores, thank you very much uh, indeed. But of course, be careful around the internet. I'm glad that a doctor agrees with me. If you're, if you're living in my house and you're my child, you will not get a computer in your room until you're 16. And even then, I can come and check your browsing history any time I want. No questions asked. And we'll put a net nanny in. That's that thing that kind of, <coughs> excuse me, stops you accessing pornography and stuff like that. And we'd make restrictions on tablets and phones and, uh, and things like that. You wouldn't be allowed in your room after, I don't know, eight o'clock. Stuff like that. It's easy, isn't it? And I, listen, of course we have to protect young, young and vulnerable people on the internet. But um, let's not forget that the internet is a wonderful resource, isn't it? It's magnificent. It's not just young people as well. 
Old people get tricked by those, uh, hello, my name is uh, Mr. Fashanu. I live in Africa and my father is a king. He's dead and I've got $34 million. Would you like some of it? To be honest, I think if anybody believes the email from a, an African prince saying that they've got $34 million, they have to get out of the country, you can have half of it if you just give me your bank account details. If anyone falls for that, I kind of think they deserve to fall for it. If you've ever been stung by that, it's kind of your fault, isn't it? No one's, no one's that stupid, but yet people must fall for those African princes. Because otherwise they wouldn't keep sending those emails out. I had a great run-in with um, a guy called Rooney Jeep, who uh, wanted me to send him £1,000 um, via some money thing, and he would turn it into £10,000. And in the end, we kind of emailed back, back and forth, back and forth. <coughs> Excuse me. And I got his phone number. And I used to phone him up, Rooney Jeep. That was his name. I used to phone him up. Say, all right, Rooney. And he had this thick thick African accent and he sent me a picture of a big fat white man saying that was him and he said that he was, he was living in, I don't know where he was living, he was living in London somewhere and we would phone up and chat and I'd say look, you sure you're going to do this because I've got my, my, my wife has just died and my kids uh, I can't afford food for my kids oh don't worry boss, I will, I will make this £10,000 and we never did I've got his number in my phone, I phone him every now and then for a little chat, he's a nice fella, he's just a con merchant Right, travel news now, Sophie Tyler Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still looking much the same out there at the moment. Anti-clockwise on the M25, queuing where you'd expect between 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Also so between 21 at the M1 and 19 at Watford. And again between 18 at Chorleywood and 15 at the M4. 30 minutes worth of delays there. And heading south on the M1 as well, also slow around Junction 10 at Luton Airport. It's going to take you about 20 minutes to sit through that stretch, I'm afraid. And uh, the Barnet Bypass heading south, slow again between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. And the A10, that's the Great Cambridge Road also slow between Bullsmore Lane and Southbury Road. Delays of 20 minutes still in place on the First Capital Connect services between Hartford North and Moorgate and Stevenage and King's Cross. It's all following a signal problem at Cuffley this morning. Everything else not looking too bad at all. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you Sophie. 7.30 News and Sport. Here's Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. The elderly residents of a block of sheltered flats in Kempston say money's at the root of plans to force them from their homes. The independent examiner looking into the deaths of three patients at the Lister Surgery Centre says he has confidence in the care they received there. And three of David Cameron's most senior ministers have made a last-ditch attempt to persuade scores of Conservative MPs to drop their opposition to the government's proposals for gay marriage in a vote in the Commons later today. Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. A man's been arrested on suspicion of assault after an incident involving Wickham Wanderers goalkeeper Jordan Archer during their 1-0 win at Gillingham last night. The player wasn't hurt and carried on for the remaining few seconds of the match. Stevenage manager Gary Smith is likely to make changes to the team for the visit of Notts County tonight in League One. Borough lost again at the weekend and haven't won at the Lamex Stadium in the league since October. Smith says their home form must improve and is asking the fans for their continued support. I think the fans have been terrific with a group a lot of other teams i think will have come under a hell of a lot more pressure than our guys have the only thing i would ask is that they continue to be that way the, the, the players are, are fully aware of how poor our form is here and it is that poor 
England's cricketers beat at New Zealand 11 by 46 runs in their opening 2020 warm-up match at the Common Oval. Joss Butler's top scored with 57, while Captain Stuart Broad took a hat-trick on his return to action after that heel injury. Finally, rugby, the Saracens and England winner winger Chris Ashton's been praising his teammate for both club and country, Owen Farrell. The pair played in the opening Six Nations win against Scotland at the weekend. Ashton scored one of the tries and Farrell kicked 18 points. This weekend is a trip to Ireland and Ashton says Farrell's in tremendous form. The pressure he puts on himself um, is exceptional really for sort of for a lad such a young age. Um, the way he kicks and the way he's just putting his way in the field, I think the forwards are helping him a lot as well. But yeah, he's doing a tremendous job at the minute. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at 8 o'clock. Call 08459 455 555. 4549 well, I live on Richmond Hill in Luton, and um, on Saturday night, about 12 o'clock, there was um, obviously a party going on down the road from me, and it spilled out because it got out of hand where people were turning up that weren't supposed to be there. Um, looking out my window, I could see maybe 40 to 50 people fighting and running up the street, kicking people's cars. Um, it went on for hours. There was police there, had to pretty much close off uh, Richmond Hill. Um, I come out in the morning and my car is keyed or nice all the way up the side. Well, Kira, listen, we've got a terrible line there, so we're going to, uh, we'll leave it there, but thank you. That sounds awful. That's a bit more exciting. 60 people in the street fighting, the police turned up, his, key, his car was keyed. Richmond Hill was closed down. It's slightly better than a field with, with 1,500 people turned up. No one noticed. His mum and dad weren't that bothered. There was no damage caused. It is, it is incredible. You do hear about how these things can get out of hand. I don't think it happens that often. Don't panic. Don't worry. Don't panic, Mr Mannering. But you do wonder how often it does happen with uh, people inviting people on the internet and Twitter and on Facebook and then they turn up. I don't think it's that, that, that common. That often. But never mind. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Organisers of the Rhythms of the World Festival in Hitchin will continue their search for a new venue after being forced to cancel this summer's event. Having been prevented from staging it at Hitchin Priory, attempts were made to secure a different site without success. This festival trader expressed his disappointment at the news. I'm not happy because I think Rhythm of the World is something that everyone looks forward to every year. And looking forward to something every year and it just cancelled because they ain't got a venue. I think that they should bring it back to where it was for the community. In the community, there's a lot of ethnic minority people around here and they always look forward to Rhythm of the World every year. Do you think that's feasible, having it all over the town again? I think that that, that would be very, very good for the community to not have it in the Priory because when it was right around the town everyone used to have more fun enjoy it you could go where you want to go and I, I think when they put it in the Priory I think that was a bad idea and it will affect your business will it it would affect my business because 
I'm a trader, I do Caribbean food and I would like it to be on because I look forward to that little day in the summer every year. And things is really tight at the minute. So rhythm of the world being cancelled is like, whoa, it's where you're going to really try and make up something for the business. Business is really slow at the minute. Well, Steve Smither is the performance director at Rhythms of the World. Morning, Steve. Morning, Ian. I've never been. I was kind of looking forward to it this year. Sum it up for me. Describe the festival. Uh, it's a celebration of Hitchin, Hertfordshire, England and the world. All in two days in the Pirate Hitchin in Hertfordshire. It's been such a great festival for Hitchin. Why has it been so hard to find another venue? It's really um, down to a number of factors. Um, obviously, there are, we want to keep it as close to Hitchin as we possibly can because it is a festival for the community of Hitchin and that's where the heart of the festival is. And to find a suitable piece of land which is in easy travelling distance um, has just been very hard to loca- locate. We have been looking at a number of options but we just haven't been able to conclude those negotiations in time for this year's festival can you just go back to doing it in the street or has, has it got grown beyond that now uh, it, it really going back to the town in my opinion is not an option um the, there was, was so many issues regarding the festival being in the town and those issues still exist um and I know that lots of people are saying that uh, they would like to see the festival go back to town, but for us it really is not feasible to do that. What sort of well-known acts played the festival, Steve? Uh, all sorts of acts have played o- over the years. I mean, last year, if you're um, a punk fan, we had The Damned playing. If you're an indie fan, we had... Um, Young Nice playing, if you're a folk fan, we had Blair Dunlop playing, who was recently a winner of the BBC Folk Awards. Mm. Uh, you work closely uh, with our introducing show here, because we even had our own stage. What's Hitching going to be like without the festival this summer? It's going to be very quiet this summer. I mean, it's, um, you know, it has impact on all the people that have been involved with the festival. You know, we have 800 volunteers over the course of the year working on the festival. We have the traders as your uh, as the guy said recently we have sponsors we have bars uh, we have uh, just the whole community so yeah it's going to leave a big big hole um but you know, we're planning for 2014 to come back bigger and better than ever have you got somewhere for 2014 because i remember speaking to someone last year said no, no don't worry we'll, we'll find somewhere for 2013 um Nothing's been confirmed. We're in negotiations at the moment, but it's far too early to actually uh, say that they're concrete plans at the moment. Okay. Well, Steve, listen, I wish you the best of luck. That's Steve Smither, Performance Director of Rhythms of the World, which is not happening this year. On FM, AM, and online, BBC Three Counties Radio. There's a big vote today about gay marriage. You can't be opposed. Who, who could be opposed to gay marriage? It's just two people saying, hey, look, I'm in love with this person and we are going to give it the best shot we can at staying together for the rest of our lives. Where's, where's the harm in that? Fred in Luton, there's no harm in gay marriage, is there? Oh, well, I think so. Why, why is that, Fred? Well, let's face it. So many couples today... Yes. Ex- 
Texas. 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 Oh, the words won't come out now. Go, 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 take your time, Fred. We're in no rush. We've got nothing for the next five minutes. They, they listed together yeah. outside of wedlock. Yes. Well, then, let the gays do the same, in my book. Well, the gays, the gays, as you refer to them, do that anyway. Yeah, but why so not let them... them it. But, but why not let them stand in front of their family and their friends... Tell, tell everyone that they love each other and they're going to give it their darn best shot at staying together forever and become legally married. Why not? Why? Why make it legal? What's the world coming to, for goodness sake? You know, I, I find the thought of gay people spine-chilling myself. Why do, why do you find gay people sort of spine-chilling yourself? Why, why is that? Well... <laughs> Thought of what might be going on, that's all. Okay, well, you don't have to think about what's going on. Uh, hey, imagine what some straight couples get up to. Oh, la la! You don't have to... You don't Listen, they're not going to jump on you, um, Fred, and, and force you into bed with them. It's, it's up to them, isn't it? No. Yes, that's up to them. Let them get on with it. Well, they are getting on with it, but why not <laughs> yes. let them get on with it and be married? Well, there's so many Extra, extra, uh, couples. Okay, we're, go, we're going around in circles, Fred. I, I've got your point. You're saying that there are straight couples that don't get married, so that why shouldn't the gays? Um, but the, but, but the, the, isn't it? It's, I mean, it's, it's just two people standing in front of. Uh, uh, listen, I got married. I'm married. I got married in a church. I'm not religious. I got married in a church because I like the tradition of it and I like the ceremony and the pomp and the circumstance and all of that stuff. And it was me and my, my wife standing up in front of all our family and friends and saying, we love each other. It's not going to be easy, but we're going to have a go at spending the rest of our lives together. Can't promise anything, but we're going to have a really good shot at it. Uh, and there's ups and downs. Of course there are. I, I don't understand why gay couples can't do that as well. Why they can't make the ultimate commitment to a relationship. They're not going to pounce on you, Fred, and have sex with you. And you say, oh, it's spine-tingling. What they, uh, what they get up to, what they do. Man alive, you want to see what some straight couples do, Fred? Oh, I've seen those films. Honestly, it would make your eyes water. So, where's the harm? Really? Good effort, Fred. I don't think it was a particularly good argument. If anyone else can do better than Fred. <coughs> oh, wait, four, five, nine. Four double five five double five is the telephone number. Has anybody got a sensible, and I mean a sensible, well thought out argument as to why gay people can't get married? Fred had a crack at it. I don't think it was a particularly good argument. Well, straight people don't get married, so why, why you know, let the gays get on with that? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Has anybody listening to this? And, and, and really think about it before you call in. Got a strong argument as to why gay people shouldn't be allowed to get married. Allowed to get married. We're even saying that. Allowed. Let's allow them to get married. Shouldn't we? 08459 455 555. If you think, if you think about the argument you've got, really think about it. It doesn't stand up, does it? Really. You don't agree with what they do in bed. Well, you know, that's, that's fine. But that's not a strong enough reason to stop them getting married, is it? Really? Don't think so. Uh, well, Jonathan Vernon-Smith will be back with the big phone-in from nine. <coughs> Excuse me. Today he's asking, how do you want your MP to vote on gay marriage? You can uh, start emailing Jonathan now if you want. jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. But between now and nine, has anybody listening to this got a good argument for why the gays, as Fred calls them, shouldn't get married? 
if you think about it and if you listen to what you're saying, it's not a good argument. You don't like what they do in bed, right? There's no reason why they shouldn't get married. As I said, plenty of straight people do loads of weird things. Um, because of the Bible. I don't think the Bible says that gay people can't get married. 08459 455 555. You can go to Facebook on this as well. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Or you can send me a text. 81333. Start your text 3CR. The rules here have changed slightly regarding texts. I'm only going to read texts out if you put your name on. And I know. And we've turned away some cracking texts this week because they didn't have names on. They were brilliant. And I kind of thought, well, maybe I should consider reading them out. But no, I'm going to be strict. Texts are slightly impersonal at the best of times. So to not have your name on it, it's churlish, isn't it? 81333. Start your text 3CR somewhere in there. Put your name, please. Right. Travel news now. Here's Sophie Tyler. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still looking fairly start-stop anti-clockwise on the M25 between 27 at the M11 and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Slow again between 21 at the M1 and 19 at Watford and also between 18 at Chollywood and 15 at the M4. Can take you around half an hour to get through that stretch, I'm afraid. Southbound on the M1, also slow with delays of 20 minutes around 11 at Dunstable and heading south on the A1, looking slow again on the Great North Road, actually just between the St. Neots Junction and the Black Cat roundabout and the A10 Great Cambridge Road uh, Great uh, yeah sorry Great Cambridge Road still looking slow just approaching the Bullsmore Lane actually and the A110 at Southby Road uh, the trains still looking a little bit tricky today's around 20 minutes in Hartford North and Moorgate and Stevenage and King's Cross still following a signal problem at Cuffley been ongoing for a little while now I'm afraid London Underground will accept tickets though everything else not looking too bad at all Sophie Tyler BBC Three Counties Radio thank you Sophie 7.45 Tuesday the 5th of February, these are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. The elderly residents of sheltered flats in Kempston say money is at the root of plans to force them from their homes. The independent examiner looking into the deaths of three patients at the Stevenage Surgery Centre says he has confidence in the care they receive there. In sport, a man has been arrested on suspicion of attacking Wickham Wanderers goalkeeper Jordan Archer during last night's 1-0 win at Gillingham. Coming up, yesterday we heard about the Bedfordshire widow who says it's been hell living with raw sewage seeping from her garden for several years. She says it's made her suicidal. Well, before 8am we'll be catching up with our MP, Andrew Salou, who I believe has an update on the situation. But before that, here's the weather with Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bugs weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, it's certainly a very cold start to the day, although temperatures for most above freezing, except for the exception of High Wycombe, where it's at freezing exactly, which explains why there's a little bit of frost on windscreens out there. But for the rest of us, it's above freezing. It's the road surface temperature we have to be worried about. We had some showers overnight and uh, the road temperature is below freezing. So some ice has formed. We do have a Met Office weather warning in place valid until 10 o'clock for that ice. Now, some brightness this morning, some sunshine around but throughout the course of the day we'll notice the cloud thicken and some sleet and snow showers likely to fall unlikely to settle for lower ground higher ground we could see a little bit of a dusting nothing too dramatic however the dramatic thing of the day is the wind a very strong blustery westerly which makes the maximum suggested temperature of uh, 5 celsius it's going to feel a lot colder than that as we head through the course of the day overnight tonight some rain some sleet starting to move away eastwards now the snow again 
higher level could fall through there, but most of us it will uh, fall as rain and sleet. The strong wind continues right the way through to tomorrow morning, and the minimum temperature one Celsius. That's 34 degrees in Fahrenheit, and that's your forecast. Thank you very much. Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. No two days are ever the same on my programme. That's because I get to meet passionate local people. As usual, over a pint in the Queen's Head one night in Amateur, we said, hey, why don't we have a a pop-up cinema? And we just got together and we convert Parkside Hall into a cinema. Play loads of great music. The Birds, Mr Tambourine Man. Tell me which other show on the radio goes from Leanne Rhymes to Elvis Presley. And sometimes I try to learn new skills. And then you've got the white thread basically connected to these bobbins, which make... I may have messed them up. Nick Coffer, Monday to Saturday from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, the BBC Three Counties Twitter feed at BBC Three CR has uh, retweeted uh, the comment that Fred in Luton uh, made. Fred in Luton called in and says gay people shouldn't get married, and the thought of them is spine chilling. Well, so far the feedback on Twitter is uh, is not good. James says Fred from Luton, get a life. It's 2013, you fool. Grumpy says Fred in Luton is obviously an idiot. And Paul Hooker says I can only hope for his sake he is part of the older generation brought up to think everything is wrong. Now, yesterday, fascinating story this, we heard about the Bedfordshire widow who says it's been hell living with raw sewage seeping from her garden for several years. Heavy rain triggers the problem and leaves puddles of sewage outside Connie Manning's home at Tottenhoe and floods the lawn. Here's a reminder of what happened when our reporter, Jessica Cooper, visited Connie to find out the extent of the problem. It's been hell, simply because the doggies want to go out and... Um no, that's that's quite an effort, keeping those two in. And an extra walking for me to take them out. But it's just the fact of just looking out into the garden and all your hard work for weeks and weeks, which I love. I love my garden. And it just looks like a heap of floating water with ghastly, ghastly, huge pancake patches of other people's I don't know what, what word to use, but mm. I think one uses the imagination to understand what I'm talking about and things that should never be in there. And horrified when the dogs have to pad over that or I have to get to the shed or open the garage door. It's horrendous. How has it been making you feel then? If you've been having to look at this for five years, out your window every day, what does it make you feel like? Well, it's sort of on and off for five years, not sort mm. of five years. I couldn't, I, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> but, um, well, horrendous. I don't know another word for it, actually. I just want to run away. And that's it. I, I don't know what to do. I'm sorry. That's okay. Don't worry. What do you want to be done? What would make this better for you? Obviously, the water sucked up and all the. I, I want it so that there's no germs left there because I, I, I want to go out there and pick hold of things of being near that or in it or something and I just want it back how it should look because it's a beautiful garden and I work hours in it It's very sad and the pictures were, were shocking well, yesterday we put this problem to Andrew Salou, the Conservative MP for South West Bedfordshire, and I wanted to see how he could help Connie. I turned up this morning and there were messages, Oh, oh, you must call Andrew Salou. Oh, you've got to call Andrew Salou. I was panicking. I thought, what have I done? Have, have I done something wrong? Am I in trouble? Andrew, have I done anything wrong? Um, you haven't done anything at all, but I know your listeners sometimes like to know what's happened and like a bit of feedback. They do like a little bit, yes. What, you've, you've been following this, this up uh, uh, yesterday, well, Andrew. 
I rang um, Peter Simpson, the managing director of Anglian Water, twice yesterday, and he got back to me yesterday afternoon to say the works are taking longer than they had thought. But he said to me very clearly that the work will be finished uh, within two weeks, so i.e. by Monday the 18th of February at the very latest. And this will be a permanent solution which should resolve the issue once and for all. So I'm really, really sorry that they've got to wait another two weeks. It's deeply unpleasant. But, but, But light is at the end of that mucky tunnel. Well, that's what I was told by Peter Simpson yesterday. That's what he said to me. I've asked him to keep closely in touch with me if there's any change to that. But uh, he, he seemed confident that, that that's what they could deliver. So um, let's see if Anglin Water can, can do that. Andrew, that's actually fantastic news. Thank you so much for, for picking up the baton yesterday and running with it. It's appreciated. Not at all. That's exactly what MPs are here to do, and it's uh, one of the most satisfying parts of my job when I'm able to give things a little push like that to try and uh, sort out problems like this. Andrew, listen, it's a pleasure talking to you. We'll, hope for, well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk on Monday the 18th of February and we'll find out what's happened. Andrew Salou. Oh, I feel like this must be how Jonathan Vernon Smith feels all the time. Slightly smug. Slightly smug and a little bit cocky. He must be like that all the time. Because of his consumer hour, not because of, you know, that's just his attitude. Although, no, it's not. Excellent stuff there. We, we will follow that intently. And I, uh, I know that a lot of you were furious about this yesterday. You went to the Facebook page and looked at the, uh, the, the pictures. Uh, and we're disgusted. Because it sounds like, oh, there's a bit of sewage in an old woman's garden. Get over it. It's actually, it's terrible. She has to have sandbags at her back door to stop the muck. And it's muck. You know the stuff that gets flushed down toilets? Yeah, it's that. To stop that going into her house. So, good for you, Andrew. Well done. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we can speak to Connie or her son on February the 18th. And everything will be all right. Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that be good? Talking about scams... Uh, on the internet. It's Internet Safety Awareness Day today. Uh, and I don't want to big it up too much because I, I, I want people to celebrate the fact the internet is amazing. But, of course, we have to treat everything with caution. I got an email from Twitter the other day, which at first glance I thought was genuine. Until I clicked, said, well, we've got, we've, we've got to change your email and stuff like that, so if you can just log in. I thought, oh, hey, whoa. And then I clicked on the return email address and it was 69XYZ. It was a made-up nonsense. So, uh, at a glance, I could be suckered in. But nobody, nobody could, be, could fall for one of those Nigerian prince scams, could they? Sheila and St Albans, they couldn't, could they? Well, I, I think you have to tone it down a bit, because there are people who are older, right. who do get a phone call, right. and they do think, I know, the old saying is, if it's too good to be true, it's got to be, you know, untrue. Yes. But... But sometimes you're not thinking, you say something, and maybe you're going towards the, I don't know, Alzheimer's period in your life. Right. And before you know where you are, you're sending money. What? I'm I'm being serious. No, what happened to you, Sheila? My sister-in-law is in America. Yes. And the other day, we found out that she'd been uh, without electricity for eight days. Right. And she's in her 70s. And yeah. she's been scammed. Well, what was the scam? What happened? Um, oh, by the way, you've won this money, but you need to send us X. Hey. You, you know, when someone turns around and says, well, we're bringing it in a lorry, but we missed the turning and we've got to go back. I mean, you just think to yourself, well, hopefully a five-year-old would think that's funny. Was she scammed on a computer or a telephone? No, no, no. Te- it's a telephone. See, no, I think that's, I it, think that's a completely different thing. and Because I, I, I think on the phone, it's easier to be much more convincing and much more but, persuasive, but isn't it? Unfortunately, even yes. though everybody is saying to her, 
this isn't right, this isn't right, you yeah. know, don't you realise that, you know, this is just not logical. Yeah. Um, she's sending the money to the point of it's a divorce in the family. What? She's now um, living in not very good accommodation. Yeah. And as I say, the, the other day, she spent, she spent thousands. We're not talking about hundreds, we're talking about thousands. And the other day I found out that um, she hasn't had electricity for eight days. And that's been cold. She's going to die. She's going to die because she's going to have no food, no electricity, no nothing, because they're, they're taking all her money. Did you say, Sheila, sorry, this is your sister-in-law? It's my it? sister-in-law, yes. That she's got Alzheimer's? No, she hasn't actually got Alzheimer's, but what I'm trying to say is, I think it's like, when, when people get older, yes. hopefully I haven't quite got there yet, but, but you do find that sometimes when people get older, things get stuck in their brain. What do you mean by that? Well, I had, an, I had a little old lady who I used to sort of keep an eye on, yeah. and she was so sure that she'd won the lottery and that the people in the post office had kept her ticket. Right. And I turned round and I started to try and find out because I thought, oh, how nasty, you know what I mean? Yes. But, but as things went on, we realised it was, yes, she did do the lottery, yes, she did have tickets, but it was in her mind and you cannot persuade them otherwise. Yes, they, they believe, they believe they the believe fantasy. What they, and, and I think this is a kind of like, I say the word Alzheimer's or whatever you want to call it, it's, it's, when, it's when you're losing your mind. Yes. But you've not lost it, lost it. No. But there's a part of you... It's fraying at the edges. It's fraying at the edges, and you believe what you believe. Yeah. You, you know, like some people believe there is a God, some people don't believe there's a God, and you can't persuade them otherwise. So what's, what's your sister-in-law, yeah. uh, is, she, is she on her own now? What's happening she's with her? She's on her own, she's on her own um, in property, and as I say, I happened to speak to someone in the family the other night for another particular reason, and said, How, how's your dad? And, oh, he went and found Rosemary, she's had no electricity for eight days, and he's brought her back to her place to have a sort of a wash and stuff like that. Um, and she... And and they're still they're still got her they're still got her. Is she still sending money to these people? Yeah, yeah. Is there no way if she is <clears throat> on the? Uh, we're running out of time, so I'm, yeah, I'm going to yeah. try and be brief. You can't buy court because apparently you can't. she's giving it. She's giving right. it. They've, they've tried you, all you, that. You can't get a court to say actually she's mentally unstable and, and what she's doing is we need to no. s- step in and get no. a power of attorney or no. something. No, because I don't. I no. wouldn't. I wouldn't like to say she is no. mentally unstable. It's just that she's got this block, and nothing you say or do is you know. It's so it's so so deep. Aren't there nasty people in the world, Sheila? There are, and so your little scamming friend is not really a very nice person. He's not. Listen, Rooney Jeep is not a very nice person, Sheila. Thank you very much, Sheila St. Albans. What a sad story. I would say slightly different because it's on the phone. Only in as much as it's much easier when you can hear a voice and someone can kind of respond to you instantly. It's much easier to be manipulated on the phone. But Sheila, thank you very much. I appreciate that. What a, what a terribly sad story there. Right, travel news, Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
Heading London-bound on the M40, looking slow at the moment around Junction 2 at Beaconsfield and anti-clockwise on the M25. Still fairly start-stop between 27 at the M11 and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. And again, between 21 at the M1 all the way through to 15 at the M4, looking very slow at the moment. And heading south on the M1 also, uh, 20 minutes worth of delays around Junction 11 at Dunstable, causing problems as well around Junction 12 at Flittick. Now heading south on the A1, more delays between the Great North Road at the St. Neots Junction and the Black Cat Round about and uh, also the southbound carriageway on the Barnet Bypass still slow through Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus everything else not actually looking too bad at the moment but 20 minutes worth of delays still in place on First Capital Connect between Hartford North and Moorgate and Stevenage and Kings Cross all following a signal problem at Cuffley. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you Sophie. Lots coming up in the last hour of the show including we get to have a chat with Jonathan Vernon Smith in about 15-20 minutes so maybe make a cup of tea then Here's the news with Catherine Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking This is BBC Three Counties Radio Good morning, it's 8 o'clock. The headlines, Housing Association accused of putting profits before people, Independent Examiner backs Stevenage Surgery Centre and Wickham goalkeeper attacked during game. BBC Three Counties Radio. A group of pensioners are accusing a housing association of putting profits before people for forcing them out of their sheltered flats in Kempston to make way for families. The elderly residents want to stay, but according to Bedfordshire Pilgrims Housing Association, Williamson's Court is no longer fit for purpose and needs to be redeveloped for people on their waiting list. Marie Taylor is their head of supported housing. We'll be able to rehouse all of the people and we've got plenty of time to do it so we'll be able to give them a choice and I heard a lot of people there say that they'd like to stay in Kempston and I think we'll be able to do that. The independent examiner looking into the deaths of three patients at the Lister Surgery Centre says he's confident in the care they received there. As part of his investigation, Dr Alan Fletcher is calling for a number of improvements, but Stevenage MP Stephen McParland argues the privately run facility should return to the NHS. Three of David Cameron's most senior ministers have made a final attempt to persuade Conservative MPs to support the government's proposals for gay marriage in a Commons vote this evening. The Chancellor George Osborne, the Foreign Secretary William Hague and the Home Secretary Theresa Theresa May have written a joint letter to the Daily Telegraph saying that attitudes to gay people have changed and it's the right thing to do. It's thought as many as half of all Tory MPs will oppose the legislation. Among them is Anne McIntosh. I don't think physically you can have a marriage between anything other than a man and a woman and I just believe this could have been handled so much better. Uh, I think there is reason to delay. We were committed to introducing tax allowances for married couples. That has not gone through. Water and sewerage bills are to rise by an average of 3.5% from April. The industry regulator Offwatt says that's equivalent to an extra £13 a year. The chief executive of Offwatt, Regina Finn, says the companies are being held to account. If these companies fail, that's what really upsets customers is when they get a service failure. And customers can be assured we are there to protect them. And over the last six or seven years, uh, we've uh, had these companies put their hands in their own pockets to the tune of £550 million where things happen have gone wrong. A Hertfordshire man who accidentally invited more than a 1,000 Twitter users to his 21st birthday party is urging others to be more cautious online. Ollie Borman from well- Wellin has been speaking out as part of Internet Safety Day. He was charged with causing a public nuisance in September. 
The organisers of the Hertfordshire-based Rhythms of the World Festival are determined it will be back next year. This summer's event's been cancelled after the owners of Hitchin Priory refused to host it. Kath Cole is on the festival's organising committee. We've had five very, very good years at Hitchin Priory and the team there have been really supportive of us. But yeah, unfortunately the wet weather did take its toll last year. There was some damage to the ground, which obviously we've repaired, but that has taken its toll and that was a factor, in, or the major factor, in us not being able to return there. In sport, a man's been arrested on suspicion of assault after an incident involving Wickham Wanderers goalkeeper Jordan Archer during their 1-0 win at Gillingham. The player didn't receive any treatment and wasn't hurt and managed to carry on for the remaining few seconds of the match. The weather bright spells and light snow showers today with a top temperature of 5 degrees Celsius, that's 41 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. How are you doing? It's eight o'clock. It's gone eight o'clock now, look. It's actually four minutes past eight. We've nearly finished this nonsense. Well, we're here until nine. So do stick around if you can. Lots coming up, including elderly residents in Kempston say they are angry over plans to force them out of sheltered accommodation. They don't want to leave. But we'll hear their story next. Former Energy Secretary Chris Hoon lied about asking his former wife to take speeding points for him. What have you lied about in the past? Remind me to tell you my story before nine o'clock. Be honest. It feels good to confess things, so come on and tell me what you've lied about. Let's get it out in the open, shall we? My, my lie involves um, Richard Bacon. 08459 455 555. And the Rhythms of the World Festival is off this year. We hear from people in Hitchin about why the festival means so much to the town. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. And is, is there anybody listening to this? who's got a strong argument about why gay people shouldn't be allowed to get married. Like a proper argument. Not just, oh, I think it's disgusting. What they get up to, sh- shocking behaviour. But a reason why two people who are in love shouldn't be allowed to stand up in a church or a registry office or a cathedral or a castle uh, and say to in front of all their friends and their families and in front of God, uh, yeah, we're in love and we're good. Do you know what? We're going to have a darn good crack at spending the rest of our lives together. Might not work, but we're going to have a good go at it. Why? Why... I'm, I'm genuinely amazed that people feel so angry about that. Angry about people being in love? Really? 08459 455 555. Now, elderly residents in Kempston are upset that they're being forced to move from their homes so the Housing Association can rent out the flats to families instead. Bedfordshire Pilgrims Housing Association will redevelop Williamson Court, which is sheltered accommodation, in order to turn it into family housing. It follows a seven-week consultation to address the oversupply of sheltered housing in Bedford. It'll affect more than 30 people in all, including 87-year-old Doris Bennett. I thought I was here for the rest of my life. Boilers keep conking out or something. They have to keep supplying new, new heating system. And they say that's too expensive to do. It ain't. It's all money in the end. Apparently they're paying us out compensation. But I don't want compensation. I want to stay here. Would that help you along, though? Do you think it will help? Is it good of them? They're going to have somebody to pack it all for us. They're going to have somebody else to do something else. But they're taking that money out of your compensation money. So you're not really left with that figure at the end of the day? 
course you're not. Everything's handy. I just go over the road there to my hairdressers. Friends are all here. I mean, we might catcall each other, but it's all done in fun. I was very happy living here. I don't think I will be when we move. Where are you going to be moving to, do you know? I'm not delighted to stay in Kempston, but I've practically lived here ever since I was a child. I'm more or less established here, you know what I mean? And what about your family? Are they close by as well? The eldest one lives in Rushton and the other one lives in Roxton. Well, they'll be helping me, yeah. Well, that's uh, reporter Serena Farrow speaking to Doris Bennett, one of the residents who's being forced out of sheltered accommodation in Kempston. BPHA say there are currently far too many empty homes in the area. Well, Karen Perry is Chief Executive of Age UK Bedfordshire. Morning, Karen. Good morning. What effect will moving have on these elderly people where the average age is 80? Well, I think um, we all know that moving house is one of the most stressful things that happens um, in our lives. That sort of ranks very, very highly. That's uh, fully understood and comprehended by most people. And to to force people to move at a a very um, late age of 80 plus is going to have a massive physical impact on these people, but also, and I think more importantly, more acutely, it's going to have a massive impact on their mental well-being and their mental health. Um, Stress levels at that age manifest themselves in depression, but also it can bring on acute uh, neurological type um, sort of things. Um, You know, this could be uh, the starting point for some older people, and and I'm not saying everybody, but there is a risk, a great risk to mental health and the, the mere fact of moving out of a community into another community that's strange to them it's going to be a huge, huge thing for these people. The lady that you had on your um, station, she's 86. She's lived most of her life in and around Kempston. Where is she going to be? Is she going to be in one of the high-rise blocks in Bedford? Is that going to be where she's going to end up? That's not going to be suitable for her. We spoke to uh, uh, someone from um, BPHA, and she said, well, I said, will they be with their friends? Well, they'll be with other elderly people. But that doesn't mean they're necessarily going to get on. It's like saying, well, you'll be with some blokes here. I don't get on with a lot of blokes. You're not just going to get on just because you're 86. That's right. And we all choose our friends. We can't choose our families, but we tend to muddle along with them. But we all choose our own circle of friends, don't we? Who has the right to say to somebody, actually, we're going to up sticks. If somebody came along to you, Ian, and said, well, actually, we're going to move you now. We're going to put you from this area into this area. You know, that is a massive, massive thing. Human rights, where, where do human rights come in here? That's, you know, that's one of the other issues. But for older people, they're going to feel disempowered. They're going to feel as if they've lost control of their own lives at a later, later stage, their memories. If they've lived where they've lived for a long period of time, it's almost a grieving process. They're going to feel almost bereaved. There are some people, Karen, there are some people who might say, but, OK, this is all very sad, but... There are, we need to make changes in the housing situation and if we need to get families into these places then we, we move these elderly people across a little bit and we can just juggle things around. Is there not that argument? Well, yes, there's always another argument, isn't there? Um, I would ask one question and I'm not clear on this but there were two sets of flats that were bulldozed on Greyfriars in Bedford and I, I, I believe they were BPHA flats 
Um, now, they were bulldozed approximately, I don't know, 18 months ago now, and that's now spare ground. They're, they're, they were next, almost next to the police station in Bedford. Nothing's been regenerated mm. there. So one wonders why they were knocked down and not regenerated, if there is such a shortage mm. of family homes. Karen, finally, before we move on, what, what advice would you give to, to some of these people uh, to try and make it as, as stress-free as possible? Well, I think if they're in a situation where they have to move, they accept every bit of help that they can get. Their families, um, BPHA certainly, organisations such as Age UK, Bedfordshire, we can help, we can try and help get them through this, you know, and, and, and obviously talk to people. If you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling really upset about this, then, you know, talk to people. Go to your GP and tell your GP how you're feeling. They may be able to put you in touch with support groups. Karen, we have to end it there. Karen Perry, Chief Executive of Age UK Bedfordshire. Thank you very much. Well, Gavin Smart is the Director of Policy and Planning at the Chartered Institute of Housing. Gavin, what do you make of this? Is it fair to move elderly residents out of the way uh, to make way for families? Well, these are always very difficult decisions, and as Karen has pointed out, uh, it's, it's always particularly tricky when you're talking about older people moving. I suppose uh, what I would say is that these are never decisions that any uh, social landlord takes lightly. And, of course, uh, as you alluded to in the last part of your conversation with Karen there, uh, what social landlords are, are always trying to do is to balance uh, the need from people across different communities and across the age spectrum and to try to work out what's the best possible way that we can meet housing need with the limited resources that we have available. And that can lead to difficult decisions, but as I say, I, nobody takes these decisions like. There is a social housing problem. Uh, what do we do? Is, is it the case that a lot of people are going to have to suffer and we're going to have to move some old people to get families in, or is it building new homes? What is the answer? Well, in the longer term, I think the answer is building new homes. But, of course, it takes a long time to make up the gap that we have in terms of housing supply nationally. And, actually, that's not just about new affordable homes. That's about new homes generally. We probably build, at the moment, across the whole of England, about 120,000 homes a year. We may need, really, to be building closer to double that number if we're going to deal with with the undersupply that we've got. So, in the shorter term, uh, I think it is about trying to make the most effective use of the homes that we have and actually all sorts of things are happening in terms of trying to do that because as well as the changes that are affecting older people i'm sure many of your listeners will be aware that some of the changes in the welfare system are affecting younger people and younger working households and they're having to think about whether or not they move into smaller accommodation because their well, housing benefit payments will no longer meet their rent mm. so there's a lot of change uh, it's about managing in the short term but in the longer term it has to be about building more homes is the government getting it right do you think gavin uh, I think the jury is still out. I think the right. government has understood that new supply is very, very important, and they are also very clear about the degree to which building new homes is good for the economy, and they've placed that at the heart of their economic strategy, and that's something I would absolutely welcome. The challenge for all of us is that the distance from making the policy announcement to seeing the homes arriving on the ground is quite a long one still, and we need to get better at seeing action more quickly. Gavin, thank you very much. Gavin Smart there, Director of Policy and Planning at the Chartered Institute of Housing. Now, we're talking about lying. We're celebrating the magic of Chris Hoon and his lie that's, that's raged on and on until yesterday in court. He went, all right, 
Yeah, I was lying. It, I, I did ask my wife to take those points for me. What lies have you told? The the, the, the one that springs to mind for me is uh, I, I was out. Um, I don't know where, where was I. I think I was in Watford actually, uh, in a bar in Watford with some friends. And uh, I, for those who don't know, I used to do a little bit of television every now and then. No, not for a while, but I used to. And so occasionally, people vaguely recognise me in the street, but they, they think I went to school with them. Did we used to go to school together? Oh, yeah. Uh, and there was this this horrible drunk woman and a fella. And they kept looking at me. And I was like, oh, for goodness sakes, please. And they kept kind of going... In the end, they came over and they said, oh, it's you! Oh, for goodness sakes. OK, yeah, yeah. Thinking they were going to think I was Marlon Dingle from Eldale, which is another one I get. And they said, we love you. We love you. You're brilliant. What's that show you did? What was that show you did? That show you did. 11 o'clock show. No, 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 it wasn't that. Right. No, 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 it wasn't that. Blue Peter. Now, I was beginning to say I didn't do Blue Peter, because I didn't. And I thought, no, I'm going to go along with this. And she went, yeah, we love you. What's it? it? Richard Richard Bacon? And I went, yes, I'm Richard Bacon. (coughs) Nice to meet you. And this is my wife, Connie Huck. I was with a girl, uh, and I said, this is my wife, Connie Huck. They went, oh, my God, it's Connie and Richard. This is brilliant. And I got to sign autographs for them. I signed about five autographs as Richard Bacon, and the girl I was with signed five autographs as Connie Huck. So what lies have you told, dear listener? 08459 455555. Travel news now. Here's Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Problems on the M1 at the moment. London bound. We're looking at delays between Junction 9 at Redbourne and 7 at Hemel Hempstead. And also slow as well around the Newport Pagnell services. Uh, again, heading south this morning at fairly slow Junction 11 at Dunstable as well. And anti-clockwise on the M25. Slow where you'd expect all the way through from 20 at Kings Langley through to 15 at the M4. Anti-clockwise again also slow around Junction 27 at the M11 to 25 at the A10 for Enfield. M40 looking fairly slow as well northbound this morning around the Denham roundabout. Everything also not looking too bad a few usual delays in uh, some obvious areas but nothing that's going to keep you out on the roads for too long still have 20 minute delays though on first capital connect services between hartford north and moorgate and stevenage and king's cross still following a signal problem just along the line so do check before you travel sophie tyler bbc three counties radio thank you very much sophie Morning, it's 8.16. It's Tuesday, the 5th of February. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A group of pensioners are accusing a housing association of putting profits before people for forcing them out of their sheltered flats in Kempston to make way for families. The independent examiner looking into the deaths of three patients at the Lister Surgery Centre says he has confidence in the care they receive there. In sport, England's cricketers beat New Zealand by 46 runs. (laughs) 46 runs in their opening 2020 warm-up match for the Cobham Oval. <laughs> Don't. Can you not come in until after I've done the news? <laughs> oh, it's your fault. My fault, is it? Just that story about cricket there has ties in with the conversation. <laughs> I was trying not to look at you. <laughs> the weather today... Bright spells, light snow showers, there's a temperature of five degrees. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Weekdays from three. Local news. Campaigners are holding a protest against a wind turbine that could be built near the Buckinghamshire village of Ford. Discussion. And we were told when he was five days old that the only way for him to have a life outside of a wheelchair would be to have a through-knee amputation at the age of one. Debate. Coming up after six, we've got an hour discussing business and finance. Later in the show, it's all about the entertainment world. It's the family and lifestyle debate. It's our politics panel discussing how politics affects us. Roberto Peroni. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh dear, I wish the BBC had the balls it used to have before Jonathan Ross and um, that Russell Brand because we could have told those stories on air once upon a time. You think? Well, maybe not mine or yours. No. So actually, neither of our stories. (laughs) Oh dear! We were telling stories um, about dodgy stomachs. Dodgy stomachs and hotel rooms. Yes. Yeah, those are the days. Those are the days. uh, And awful problems we've both had. We've we've lived a life, haven't we, between us? You, You just make up the rest and it's probably accurate. Yeah. Probably a little bit worse than the story you've come up with in your head. How are you this morning? Well, I'm all right. How are you? I'm okay. Do you want to smell my jumper? Um, I'll tell you why. Okay. I've gone back to washing powder. I went to gel and and I noticed my clothes weren't smelling. So I've gone back, back to washing powder. Do you want to sniff me? I don't want to smell you, actually. Come and sniff you this. You can find sniff anything this. green. Look, I saw- Oh, you can isn't smell it, that. Isn't it nice? You can smell that. Yes. Yes. Here's something. You're oh. friends with my wife on Twitter. Yes. Could you tell her that when we, we do occasionally use washing powder, you also need a bottle of conditioner? No, no, I don't use conditioner no, anymore. No, you... No, no, no. I tell you why. I stopped uh, doing it. It blocks your pipes up. No, but the thing is, if you don't put conditioner in, your clothes come out... They're, they're, they're hard. Well, does this jumper feel hard to you? Well, no, but it's really old and worn. I don't think you can get, you can get that hard. <laughs> But it, the, the clothes come out stiff and brittle. No. And they don't have the freshness about them. I yes. think you need to go back to powder. So, what's coming up on your show today? Coming up on the big phone in today, uh, how do you want your MP to vote on gay marriage? It's crunch day for an issue that's been discussed for months, as the Commons will this evening finally hold a free vote on gay marriage. Today, three of David Cameron's most senior ministers have made a final attempt to persuade Conservative MPs to support the government's proposals. The Chancellor, George Osborne, the Foreign Secretary, William Hague, and the Home Secretary, Theresa May, have written a joint letter to the Daily Telegraph saying that attitudes to gay people have changed changed and it's the right thing to do well from nine this morning i want to hear how you hope your local mp here in beds hearts and bucks will vote on gay marriage uh, very interested in your discussion earlier with fred fred finds the gays spine chilling yes he said uh, yes what they do is spine chilling yep he said that's part of it yes um well i want to to hear presumably fred is hoping that his local mp does not vote in favor of gay marriage do you agree is that how you or some local ones of both sides are represented i think in the the, the local mps we have here in beds hearts and bucks well from nine i want to hear your views on this how do you want your mp to vote for or against gay marriage oh eight four five nine four double five five double five we'll discuss it from nine do you do you are you a liar no, not really. We're celebrating lies today after Chris Hoon was busted. Yes. And my my one was, was Catherine Boyle pretended her name was Jackie to get an autograph from Bob Monkhouse. I didn't quite understand the story. Kelly Betts, who works here, um, uh, pretended that her dad, or uh, her uncle, I think, was Jeremy Beadle. Some guy was chatting her up and she kind of said, oh yeah, my uncle's Jeremy Beadle. And um, then when, when Beadle died... She got loads of messages of, oh, I'm really sorry to hear about your uncle dying. It must be really sad. And she's like, what? 
Oh, yeah, Jeremy Beadle. I pretended I was Richard Bacon and signed some autographs as him once. Have you ever lied? You pretended you're that, um, that motor driving man? or No, but my father pretended he was Eddie the Eagle Edwards. He, he does look like... I've seen he, a picture. He looks a bit like Eddie the Eagle Edwards. And a little old lady came up to him many years ago, this was, when Eddie was in his, in his heyday. Yeah. And my father had hair that was the same colour. He had quite uh, big glasses not, as well, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Not bottles. My, my father had uh, John Major glasses yep. all through the John Major years. Yep. And uh, this old lady came up and she said, I just want to say, I think you're brilliant. So my dad thought, who the hell's this? And she said, I think what you do on those skis is brilliant. And I think, I know people run you down, but I want to say I'm a big fan. Can I have your autograph? And she'd been so sweet. Oh, he signed it. He signed it, Eddie the Eagle Edwards. That's wonderful. What lovely story. So that's a good lie. Mm. I like things like that. There are good lies, aren't there? Yes. Go on, go. (laughs) Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, dearie me. The things that man says when the microphone... He's quite shocking when the microphone is on. Like, times that by 100 when the microphone is off. Very, very naughty. Uh, we've been talking um, about uh, elderly people that are going to be forced to leave their homes in Kempston after Housing Association is booting them out so that they can um, rent out flats to families instead. Joe has called in. Morning, Joe. Morning. What's your take on this? Well, I'm going to sound really horrible here, because my take is I think that council tenants and housing association tenants get quite a good deal, in my eyes, compared to the private sector right. that are renting off private landlords. Because, I mean, yeah, there has to be movement, and we have to get the youngsters in and families into homes, but they're not just being thrown out with a month's notice. They are being helped to move on elsewhere. They're even being compensated for it, which wouldn't happen if you were renting privately. But they're in their 70s, their 80s and their 90s, Joe. Surely we have to have a little respect for them. Yeah, respect, fine. No no problem with respect and it's got to be done well. But then you've also got to look at families that are living in, say, a one-bedroom property or two bedrooms with four or five kids because there's no houses for them. And there's sort of things like that going on at the moment as well. But that's not the I mean, fault of these, these old people, these people. We, we heard from an 87-year-old woman who's terrified at the prospect of moving, I doing know, things at that age, I, the I stress... I think maybe there could be an age cut-off, without a doubt, for something like that. But I still think, unfortunately, with these things, there's sort of a line cut-off, isn't there? It just means if one can't, then they can't do it to anyone. Joe, going but off a complete, no movement. complete tangent, mm-hmm. are you a liar? I am. Yeah, I can be a liar. Do you, do you tell porkies every now and then? <laughs> what was the last lie you told? Do you know what the best one I've had that is not a lie? Is that years ago, we actually flew from, what was it? It was uh, New York to, uh, sorry, my... Yeah, New York to Miami yeah. on Christmas Eve, yeah. and Michael Jackson was on our plane. Well, hang on, is that a lie or is that a truth? No, but everyone thinks it's a lie. <laughs> well, hang on a minute, you can't just come <laughs> on. We're not doing your Michael Jackson. Did you see Michael Jackson on there? We, I did see Michael Jackson. They took up to bump, but you tell anyone that story, no, you're and such they a, think you're lying. Joe, yeah? you're such a liar. <laughs> Unbelievable. Why won't you come on and tell a lie like that? We're speaking about Lyme because Chris Hoon is in uh, most of the papers this morning. The career of the former cabinet minister is over after admitting perverting the course of justice by getting his ex-wife to take his driving penalty points. The man who ran out of lies is the Daily Mail's headline, destroyed by a 10-year lie, says The Guardian. Well, I've been asking about what you've lied about, and Joe obviously lying there. Michael Jackson was never on the same plane as him. Ridiculous. Our reporter Sophie Solaria has spent the morning in Hertfordshire. Sophie, you, you... Now, listen, you seem the sort that could lie quite well. Um, have I? 
you sorry. Let's see what you mean, you? No, I, I think you could lie a lot. I, you, I just, Me? I reckon you, you, you kind of, you know, you bend the truth when you need to. Is that I'm right? A very honest woman, actually, Ian. Have you I'll never have told you know. a lie? Okay, I've told a lie. Of course, we've all told yeah, a lie. There we go. Yes. Yeah, we have. I've told a lie. Yes. Go on. What's yours? Okay, so uh, this was before everyone was getting piercings and tattoos and yeah. the likes. Yeah. I was fourteen, I think, at school, and I thought. I know what would be really cool um, is if I told everyone I'd had my belly button pierced. Yeah. So I did. I told a few people, which who told a few people, and the next thing you know, I had crowds and crowds of people at school coming round begging to see my belly button. So I went to the toilet and put one of my earrings, uh, oh. hoop earring, into my belly button. What? Just balanced it, it in there. Balanced it in. Balanced it in, hoping it would stay. Came <laughs> out to this horde of people. There were literally 15, 20 people crowding round me to see this new belly button. Yeah piercing and during the oh, during the show and tell moment it fell out oh. it was mortifying oh, oh it was did, mortifying did people, did, was there a young lad that ran up and went the king's got no clothes on oh. was everyone laughing at you i was so embarrassed everyone was like oh you're so sad why did you do that that was you know yeah, those that that, oh i just felt like such an idiot you've been speaking to lies this morning haven't you i have i've been asking people of hatfield about their lies you know what a lot of them wouldn't tell me a lot of them were keeping them under their hats but one man under their jumpers wants, yeah Yes. One man who wanted to keep his name anonymous for obvious reasons told me about uh, his lie. He once lied to Kylie. Have a listen to this. There was a time um, I worked for an airport and uh, Kylie Minogue flew in on a private jet and she was meeting and greeting the staff. And I work in IT, so I had nothing to do with the plane or whatsoever. But I saw these people lined up and I asked them what he was doing and one of the girls said, oh, Kylie, we flew Kylie Minogue in. And uh, she's, she's come to say hello and thank you. So I threw the case I had behind a hedge and went and stood on the end of the line and pretended I was part of the flight crew and sort of met her and shook her hand and she was very nice and that was it. So I suppose it was a little bit of a lie. That was a big lie. What did you say to her? I just said hello. I'm from Australia originally, so I sort of said hello and chatted to her and she seemed to chat to me more than, more than the others, you know. So You got your moment with Kylie? Exactly. So I had to tell a little lie to uh, get a little 15 minutes with Kylie. Yeah. Hey, that's not bad, is it, Soph? If you're going to lie, to be fair, you're going to lie to speak to Kylie, aren't you, really? Yeah, I think I think you would. I would tell a porcupine to speak to Kylie. I think so. Sophie, listen, we look forward to looking at your belly button later on, if that's OK. <laughs> no worries. I'm, I'm assuming it's an innie, not an outie. I got a new... I actually got it pierced after that, oh. just so that I could try and redeem Prove it. my cred. Prove it. I will. Yeah, okay. Well, she'll prove it later on. She'll balance an earring in there later on. It'll fall out and we'll all go, actually, Sophie, you're like double sad, for goodness sakes. Right, travel news now. Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Motorway is looking busy this morning, heading north on the M1. One lane is closed and it's queuing at the moment following an earlier accident between 12 at Flittick and 13 at Bedford. It's lane one of three that is currently closed. And London band as well, still looking at delays between nine at Redbourne and seven at Hemel Hempstead. And also very slow this morning around Dunstable at Junction 11. Anti-clockwise on the M25, start stop between 20 at Kings Langley and 16 at the M40. And start stop as well, just around Junction 27 at the M11 and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. 
Heading south on the A1, still slow between the St Neots Junction and the Black Cat Roundabout and the Barnet Bypass, also slow between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. Everything else not looking too bad at all this morning, but don't forget we do have delays of 20 minutes on First Capital Connect services in Hartford North and Moorgate and Stevenage and King's Cross as well, following a signal problem at Cuffley. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie. Right, it's uh, nearly 8.30. Let's get the latest news in sport now. Here's Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines, a group of pensioners are accusing a housing association of putting profits before people for forcing them out of their sheltered flats in Kempston to make way for families. The independent examiner looking into the deaths of three patients at the Lister Surgery Centre says he has confidence in the care they received there. And three of David Cameron's most senior ministers have made a final attempt to persuade Conservative MPs to support the government's proposals for gay marriage in a Commons vote this evening. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. A man's been arrested on suspicion of assault after an incident involving Wickham Wanderers goalkeeper Jordan Archer during their 1-0 win at Gillingham last night. The player wasn't hurt and carried on for the remaining few seconds of the match. Stevenage manager Gary Smith is likely to make changes to the team for the visit of Notts County tonight in League One. Borough lost again at the weekend and haven't won at the Lamex Stadium in the league since October. Smith says their home form must improve and he's asking for the home fans to carry on support. I think the fans have been terrific with the group. A lot of other teams, I think, will have come under a hell of a lot more pressure than our guys have. The only thing I would ask is that they continue to be that way. The the, the players are, are fully aware of how poor our form is here, and it is that poor. In rugby, the Saracens and England winger Chris Ashton's been praising his teammate for both club and country, Owen Farrell. The pair played in the opening Six Nations win against Scotland at the weekend. Ashton scored one of the tries and Farrell kicked 18 points. This weekend, it's a trip to Ireland and Ashton says Farrell's in tremendous form. The pressure he puts on himself um, is exceptional, really, for for a lad such a young age. Um, The way he kicks and the way he's just putting us around the field, I think the forwards are helping him a lot as well. But yeah, he's doing a tremendous job at the minute. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at nine o'clock. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning in the BBC Three Counties Radio. Here until nine. And then it's Jonathan Vernon Smith. Now, coming up in the next half an hour, we'll discuss why David Cameron is about to face his biggest ever parliamentary revolt over his plans to allow gay marriage. And former Energy Minister Chris Hoon did get his ex-wife to take his driving penalty points. Destroyed by a ten-year lie, says The Guardian. I'll be finding out what makes us lie and when it's actually acceptable. Now, David Cameron today will face his biggest ever parliamentary revolt over his plans to allow gay marriage. Up to 180 Conservative MPs could refuse to support the idea in the Commons. Many say it's not a priority. It wasn't in the party's manifesto and could cost the party votes at the next election. But the Prime Minister says it's fair and churches don't need to carry out the ceremonies if they don't want to. We can talk now to Sam Dick, Head of Policy at Stonewall, the organisation which campaigns on behalf of lesbians, gay men and bisexuals. Morning, Sam. Good morning. It's 2013. I'm I'm surprised we're using the phrase allowing gay people to get married. It's about time this happened, isn't it? Yes, uh, absolutely, and it's something that's supported by the majority of the British population. Polling conducted last year 
found that 7 in 10 of British people support this measure and 9 in 10 uh, lesbian, gay and bisexual people support this measure. So it's the right thing to do at the right time. There are a lot of people, including a lot of people listening to this show, who um, uh, who, who don't think it's right, who don't think it's appropriate. We had Fred in Luton called in uh, and he said that the thought of gay people is, quote, spine chilling. What do you say to, to, to attitudes like that? Well, the, the the debate around marriage has um, brought a lot of deeply offensive views about gay people out of the woodwork. Um, and that in itself is one of the reasons why marriage is so important. Because, you know, whilst gay couples have exactly the same loving, committed uh, relationships as heterosexuals, they're still treated in law and viewed by white society as being different when there is no difference. And that can only help to perpetuate sort of the... Uh, uh, offensive views of gay people that uh, we've heard so much recently. Why is it so important? Can you explain, for those who are perhaps struggling with this a little bit, why is it so important for, for gay and lesbian and bisexual people to have the right to get married? What, why isn't civil partnership enough? Well, marriage is a widely respected and upheld institution. It helps promote stability of couples and society. But currently, gay people are banned from that. And while civil partnership does provide people legal rights, it isn't widely accepted as being the things that couples should aspire to. And just to give my example, you know, my sister is getting married this summer. She will uh, will be inviting my friends and family, and they'll all be able to celebrate that marriage. But when, am I, when me and my partner want to do the same thing, we will have to do something different. And that causes, you know, anguish to people like my parents who just want their sons and daughters or their relatives treated exactly the same. Here's, uh, look, I'm looking on Twitter now and um, Tom has posted uh, in reference to Fred. Fred means that gay people should keep homosexuality behind closed doors. The rest of us are fed up about hearing about it. Do you ever get that? Could you understand that, um, Sam, that, that, that people are, are fed up? having this rammed down their throats? Well, <laughs> um, not really. There is, there is homophobia out there in society. Lesbian, gay and bisexual people still experience discrimination and we're still treated differently. And all the organisations like Stonewall and lesbian, gay and bisexual people want is equality. They don't want to shove it down anyone's fr- throats or anything. They just want to live their lives, be treated equally and get on with it like everyone else. How do you think the vote is going to go today, Sam? Um, obviously we don't take any vote for granted and we're still going to work hard right up to the vote itself this evening but we are cautiously optimistic the majority of MPs will do the right thing and vote in support of it tonight Would you want to get married? I would like the choice to get married yeah. and currently that's just not available to me but obviously if I mentioned that to you before I had the conversation okay, with well, my partner you like that waiting, an argument would be waiting for me at home yeah, but, but now, but now you're going to go home and he's going to go hang on a second you don't want to get married <laughs> I've, oh, no. I've put you on the spot slightly I don't, I don't <laughs> want to do a, a horrible Jeremy Kyle thing where you come out and you, you, you propose live on air that would be awful yeah. but, but the, the churches will still be even if this goes through churches will still be able to say ah, you're not doing it in here so it, it's, it's not quite the, the level playing field that it sounds like is it Look, we, Stonewall don't support forcing any religious organisation to go against their beliefs and marry people if they don't want to. And this bill will not do anything to force religious organisations to do that. But it's really important that the handful of religious denominations that want to celebrate the same-sex marriages of their congregants can do so without other religious organisations or the state interfering that. So it's an important issue of religious freedom for those organisations that want to to be allowed to do it. 
Sam, lovely to talk to you. Sam Dick there, who is head of policy at Stonewall. It, I genuinely, I'm supposed to be impartial on these things, but I can't on this one. I genuinely don't see what the problem is. Why, how could you disagree with, with two people, whatever sex, standing in front of their friends and family and in front of God, if that's your thing, and, and saying, we love each other and we're going to have a blooming good go at making this last for the rest of our lives? Well, I, I, I genuinely, I'm left scratching my head. And Fred said, well, I, what, what they get up to. He disapproved of what they get up to in the bedroom. But, hey, man, you should see what some straight couples get up to. Oh, boy. That's some real freaky stuff. Well, after nine this morning, JVS is back with his big phone in. He's asking, how do you want your MP to vote on gay marriage? You can start calling him now if you want. 08459 455 555. Talking about lying after Chris Hoon has uh, has announced that, yes, actually, he was speeding. And, yes, he did get his wife to try and take those um, speeding points, those points on his licence. We're celebrating the magic of lying this morning. John from Milton Keynes. Morning, John. Morning, Ian. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, thank you. I'm enjoying this, the, the cathartic uh, thing of, of, of uh, unburdening myself. What lies have you told, John? Oh, first, is Ian your real name or are you lying about that? Well, I, I tell you something, Lee isn't my real name. Right. <laughs> well, it, well, it is now. It's not the name I was born with. Okay. If it wasn't okay. the name I was born with, and for a long time I, 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 I used it, but I've, it, it is now by deed poll. But yes, isn't it? Okay, okay. John is my, my real name. Okay, right. So are you, are you a, sure Are you sure John is I'm your real sure, name? I'm sure. I need to check my birth certificate. I don't, I'm not lying. I don't um, trust anything about you, John, already. I'm smelling a big rat, but go on. <laughs> Yeah, okay. A bit of a big porky. Um, I went to the States with one of my friends uh, many years ago, well, yeah. probably about 10 years ago now, and we went to a bar um, in California, and we started chatting to everybody in there, and they're coming over to us because we're English. Yeah, they, we're lo- they English love the English accent, accent over there. They love the English accent. They love the Eng- Eng- English accent. And if you tell them a porky, it seems to go right over their head. Yeah. And uh, basically, two girls come up to us and started chatting to us, and they said, uh, what do you guys do for a living? And my friend said, uh, about me, I'm, I'm a pilot, and I really do have a pilot's license but it's a private pilot's license right but all i knew was i'm a pilot and they said oh what planes do you fly and i said uh well i fly concord oh, if, you, if you're gonna oh, lie go in with a what? big one that was a biggie wasn't it and that seemed to work for the whole evening the whole evening we were there and they were all over us because they thought i was a concord pilot and they said well what, what do you do did the, the other guy and, they, and he said he was a flight attendant on concord beautiful so, uh, beautiful so it, was, it was the best porky it was the best porky, in the, you know, on-the-spot porky that I could yeah. think of. And sometimes, though, isn't it fun being in a lie? I told a, a tiny little lie the other week. I stopped at a service station at a Starbucks. Now, Starbucks do this thing, which really annoys me, where they say, what's your name, sir? And then they write your name on the cup, and then when it's ready, they go, Ian, go, 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 latte for Ian. Well, my favourite little lie now is going in and giving them false names. I yeah. was I was Stephen in a service station. I told them I was called Stephen, and I got a buzz off it. I was really excited. Yeah. Sometimes you get through life better if you tell porkies. I think well, because I, I've, I've I've been turned down for certain things, you know, yeah. for all sorts of all sorts of things before. You know, if if, if you're if you're honest, yeah. sometimes it doesn't get you. Are get you saying you've life. got you've had jobs and sex because you've told lies? Um, well, I, I, I wouldn't bite it towards one or the other, Ian, but, uh, no, but telling a, telling a white lie, a little, a li- like a porky now and again, not hurting anyone. Yeah, so the answer to that is yes. John from Milton Keynes, thank you very much. I know it's a small thing, but I do enjoy, I do enjoy that little lie in the, 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 the Starbucks. What's your name, Stephen? It's fun! It's fun! Do it! Everyone, I don't want them to know my name! 
Um, not the worst lie in the world. This is a text from Phil. Uh, but when I left home at 18 to start a career, I used to go back home at the weekend. On Sunday evening, I would drive the two-hour journey back to where I stayed in the week, and my mum would tell me to give three rings when I got back. Ah, the old give three rings. Instead of driving straight back, I would go and spend some quality time with my girlfriend. Oh, oh. Set off late and stop somewhere in the middle of nowhere to give my mum three rings and just hope she didn't ring me back and find out what I've been up to. There, finally off my chest. I feel much better. My, with mobile phones... Mums don't do that now. It was always give me three rings and I'll come and pick you up. Don't put, don't put ten pence in the slot. Three rings, I'll come and pick you up. We don't get the three rings any. Does anybody do the three rings anymore? All these kids are going, what? Three rings, is that? Is that like a text message? Freddie is in Hemel Hempstead. Freddie, you've called in about gay marriage. I am indeed. Yes. Well, what's, what, what's your, uh, what do you want to say? I think, in essence, it washes away at the fabric of society. Um, in fairness, we've become a very accepting nation and we're going through this phase of um, everything is acceptable. But I wonder if we do that for political votes or political acceptance. Well, people are saying that, that, that by David Cameron giving the thumbs up to gay marriage, he's going to be losing votes. I don't think it's really up to David Cameron or any politician to decide what's right and wrong. Um, this isn't really a discussion about homosexuality as such. This is a discussion about the next generation of what we accept today... We are allowing people to think that that's right for tomorrow. Right. And so I'm confused as what you're saying, Freddie. Are you saying that um, uh, gay marriage is right or wrong? I think, I think it's completely wrong. Why? Marriage in itself. Marriage is, is uh, wrong. Ma- the marriage is between a man and a woman. Why? It's not because, because it's always been the case, because it's, the purpose of it is to produce a family. But, but, but and things change and evolve. You say it's always been the case, but we, we can be the brave, bold generation that takes that brave step and says, well, hang on a second, marriage isn't necessarily about children because people get married who can't have children. It's about love and it's about commitment. If that's the case, then you can be in a long-term committed relationship. But you, you can't be married. But some, something that's not faithfully right today, whatever faith you follow... If, if the faith yesterday was that God does not accept um, homosexuality, mm. why is it that because David Cameron legalised it today, it becomes acceptable? Well, he's not legalised homosexuality. That was legalised in uh, the late 50s or early 60s. I'm, I'm referring to the marriage. To so the marriage yeah. aspect, OK. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're coming from the religious point of view that God uh, it, it frowns on homosexuality. I think I'm coming from both morality and religious well you, you're, you're not you're coming from religious the morality side is it, that argument doesn't stand up because you're, you're saying it's immoral uh, immoral for two men to be in love with each other no i'm not well what's saying, your morality argument I'm, I'm saying it is wrong for two men to have a child that they look after we're not talking whoa whoa whoa, 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 whoa. tangents 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 freddie we're not talking about we're not talking about children at all we're talking about marriage I, I accept that but, but then you've gone off marriage. on the tangent about children that's got nothing to do with this you're, are you saying it's immoral for two men to, to be in love with each other? Well, my personal view is I, I do actually think homosexuality is immoral, right? In what way That's is it immoral? View. Um, I, I think it's wrong. A relationship between two people of the same sex should not be a, a relationship that's encouraged and it should not be a relationship for for children to view... Not, not, stop talking about children. Children have got nothing... That's a completely different argument. I'm trying to establish why you think that a, a, a homosexual relationship is immoral. Can I ask you a question? Yes, you can. Just one question. Yes. Everything we do today is observed by our kids. It is about children. It is about the next generation. And it's wrong to think this, that by no. you accepting something today... Yeah. ..that that is not going to affect the next hey, Freddie, generation. Hey, Freddie, guess what? If my, if my boys come up to me and they say, Dad, I've got something really difficult to tell you, I'm gay... How should I react in that circumstance? What should I do? 
that's a personal choice. So I'll tell you what I'd do. I would embrace them and I would kiss them and I would say thank you so much for feeling that you could, you could come to me and tell me that. Right, what do you want to talk about? I would embrace I, them because it's wonderful that they are able to establish exactly what they are. Okay, but what, what you're doing by that is that you're allowing them, as far as you're concerned, to be married as a couple. So if, for argument's sake, your son, yes. your grandfather at this point, yes. um, says to you, well, actually, I'd like to have a relationship with my son, will you accept that too? Uh, I, th- I knew, I knew that we were. I knew we were getting around this. I knew you, you were implying there is a connection between homosexuality and paedophilia. No, it's not about paedophilia. So, you're, but you're saying my son, if my son has a child he, and he comes to me and asks if he can have what sex with my grandson? In effect, yeah. That's nonsense, Freddie. Is nonsense. Go, nonsense. Nonsense. Bye bye. Ta ta. Bye bye. I knew we were skirting around that. I knew that that's, that's why I was staying with Freddie. Both of them have been called Fred. Isn't that interesting? I knew that that's what we were heading towards. That uh, homosexuality and the paedophilia argument. Yeah, no, Freddie. I'm not even. I'm not even g- going to have that discussion because that is just. You're in the realms of fantasy now, my friend. It was worth pursuing because I knew we'd get there eventually. Right, eight forty-six. Travel news. Here's Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts, and bucks. Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still looking much the same at the moment. Heading north on the M1. Two lanes are closed and there's queuing traffic following a multi-vehicle accident between 12 at Flittick and 13 at Bedford. Also looking very slow at the moment. Heading south around Junction 11 at Dunstable and again between 9 at Redbourne and 7 at Hemel Hempstead. Anti-clockwise on the M25 start-stop this morning between 20 at Kings Langley and 16 at the M40 and also slow coming off the A40 heading towards the M25 on the M40 just between the Denham roundabout and Junction 1A at the M25. Heading south on the A also queuing between St Neots Junction and Black Cat Roundabouts and the Barnet Bypass also slow this morning just between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus everything else not looking too bad at all but don't forget on the trains delays of 20 minutes on First Capital Connect between Hartford North and Moorgates and between Stevenage and King's Cross following a signal problem at Cuffley Sophie Tyler BBC Three Counties Radio Thank you very much Sophie 8.47. It's Tuesday the 5th of February. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A group of pensioners are accusing a housing association of putting profits before people for forcing them out of their sheltered flats in Kempston to make way for families. The independent examiner looking into the deaths of three patients at the Lister Surgery Centre says he has confidence in the care they receive there. In sport, double Olympic champion Rebecca Adlington is expected to announce her retirement from swimming later today. To get the latest weather now, here's Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bugs weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks, good morning. Well, it is certainly a very cold start to the day. Temperatures for all of us now are just above freezing. Some of us got a little touch of frost. Most of us, though, without frost. It's the road surface that we have to worry about. We had some showers overnight which have frozen, which means the Met Office do have a weather warning in place for ice and black ice out there. So, uh, especially on untreated roads and services, extra care needed. It's certainly feeling colder than the numbers suggest this morning because of the strong westerly wind. A bluff 
blustery uh, westerly wind which will get stronger through the course of the day. Now there's plenty of sun around this morning across all three counties but we'll notice the clouds start to thicken through the day and some sleet and snow showers highly possible particularly towards higher ground across the Chilterns it could start to settle at just a little bit. Lower level it's likely to uh, uh, fall as sleet or even rain um, if you are on a lower level. Temperature wise though a maximum of 5 Celsius feeling colder than that 41 degrees in Fahrenheit. Overnight tonight rain sleet a bit of a wintry mix with us for a time but then it will move away eastwards. The strong wind continues right the way through to the early hours of tomorrow morning. Minimum temperature down to 1 Celsius that's 34 degrees in Fahrenheit and that's your forecast. Thank you very much. Did you know you can get in touch with BBC Three Counties Radio wherever you are via Twitter at BBC 3CR. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash BBC 3CR. Call us on 08459 455 555 or text us on 81333 and start your message with 3CR. Getting beds, hearts and bucks talking. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, Chris Hoon is on the front page of, of, of all of the papers this morning. The career of the former cabinet minister is over after admitting perverting the course of justice by getting his ex-wife to take his driving penalty points. It's a fascinating story. It's fascinating for so many reasons. Because of, of the, the family dynamic, the relationship with him and his son, the, the fact, I guess the main thing is that he thought he could get away with lying. And what was, you know, an incident that would have probably lost him his driving licence ten years ago... It's now completely ended his career and cost him about half a million pounds. But why do we lie? Leela Collins is a psychologist. Uh, she joins me now. Morning, Leela. Good morning. Why do we lie? Well, we, we, we lie to protect a cause, protect our family, to protect our own interests mainly, and uh, to gain from the lie or to hide the truth. Um, so that we uh, look better in the eyes of society, you know, such a thing as social desirability. Um, there are some people, aren't there? Because there's a difference. There's, there's the difference between the little white lie, and there are some people who just can't stop lying. Well, there are pathological liars, people who actually change the course of the history in their family or in their lives, uh, change names and change events and so on. But, unfortunately, the truth always has a habit of coming out. Doesn't it just? It always does come and bite you. As I was saying to a researcher, in order to lie, you've got to have a very good memory. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll fall foul of your own lies. Is it ever acceptable to lie, Leela? Well, there are times like, for instance, I'll give you a small example. Somebody buys you a present. And you don't particularly like it. And they say, well, do you like it? Is that all right? It would be unkind to say, no, I really hated it. Mm. You just say, oh, that was very nice of you. Thank you very much. You, you hide the truth. You don't, you don't uh, hate them with the stark truth hey. to protect them. See, now, that's... In, now, okay. No, I, 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 you're interest, it's interesting there. But also what you said before about the truth always coming out. I bought my wife an Emily Sande CD for Christmas. She's a very popular singer at the moment. I bought her that CD. Yeah. And my wife got it. Was like, oh, this is brilliant. This is fantastic. I was looking in my wife's drawers yesterday. Don't ask why. Mm-hmm. I found another copy of this CD. She'd obviously bought it for herself, but she didn't like to hurt your feelings. No, and- it was a nice lie. But now I feel hurt because I found this. She's got two Emily Sande CDs. I feel hurt. 
Well, it's it's unfortunate that you found the extras um, copy by accident, but she was trying to be nice about it and to be appreciative, and I understand that. Should I confront her about this? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No, 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 no. Leave it be. So I shouldn't pick up both CDs, Um, and one day when she's in there, just throw them on the floor and say, what's going on here? She'll probably find a fan and give the extra CD to. Look, the least said, soonest mended. Oh, look at this. You're you're good. uh, Honestly. But you see, the thing is, uh, within families where Mr. Hume and so on, and people like that are concerned, you don't ever tell your family lies. No. Uh, It's it's not kind because it comes out and you come out in a much worse light and suffer the consequences in long term. Listen, fascinating. Thank you very much, Leela. Uh, Leela Collins there, a psychologist telling us uh, what she was saying there. Uh, more, uh, just looking at this text, sorry, I'm scanning this text I get there. This is uh, from Florence from Milton Keynes, who's put her name on. Well done. Um, oh, is she on the phone? Oh, look, we're going to go to the phone. Hello, Florence, you're on the telephone now. I am. Isn't that exciting? Hi there, Hi there Florence. You, you, are you, have you told some porky pies? Um, not, not, nothing, nothing big, I don't think. No, just arranging the truth a little bit occasionally, maybe, but nothing very big, I, I wouldn't have thought. Oh, you're all about into this. Oh, look, hang on a second. I'll tell you why. Hang on a second. I'm getting confused here because, look, I've got a line. Look, I, I, I apologise, Florence. I'm doing two stories at that's once. All right. Excuse yeah, me. All right. I, I, stay there for a second. I'm going to come back to you because, look, I'm reading this. Look, in 1970, this is a text from Sue in Wellington City. I'm all over the shop. Uh, in 1977, I was taking my five year old nephew to see Father Christmas, waiting for the bus. I told him if the driver asks how old you are, tell him you're four. That way I don't have to pay for you. That went well. Then when we got to Santa, he asked his name and age. Four, he said. No, Mark, you're five. But you told me to tell the bus driver so you didn't have to pay for me. Santa smiled and shook his head. Well done. That's what I was referring to, Florence. I do apologise. You've called in about internet safety. I have. Go on, t- t- what's, your, what's your opinion on this? Um, just, just thinking that teenagers are really, really clever and they're m- much more clever with computers yeah. and the internet and everything like that than we are. Um, my husband and I thought we were... You know, we, we used it. We used a computer every day, and we thought we were quite good at this. Yeah. Um, but when we had teenagers, we realised that basically we knew nothing. Oh. And they were so much better than us. They they can erase the history on the computer. They can oh. they can use screen um, screen websites. Well, they use. They have a way of going into a website. Yeah. You think they're using this website, but right. through that website, they actually go to a different website. What? Oh, really? So it doesn't show up that they've been to look at big knockers or something? Yeah. It's, it's, it's... But they are very, very clever. Mm. Much more than, than we are. And, you know, so so how, do you, how, how do you protect your kids then on the internet? What do you do, Florence? Well, exactly. We, we, had, um, you know, we had all the normal... Uh, parent guard and that sort of thing. Certainly, keeping the computer in in uh, um, a central room in the house is yeah. idea. Yeah, no, they're not getting it in their bedroom until they're sixteen. No, no, definitely not. But at the same time, you're not there all the time. So, th- actually, the best way is to talk to them yeah. and say, "Look, you know, there's all sorts of things on there. If you want to learn about prostitution, about Sorry? sex, about what? crime, hey. it's all out there." Ooh. But actually, I think it's not appropriate for you. And, and that's all you can... That's really the best thing you can do. If my, if my, if I, how old are your kids, Florence? They're now 18, 15 and 11. Oh, OK. Uh, so, the 18 and 15-year-old, basically, they don't need any protection anymore. Cause no. 
they know everything that's you know available there, and they've probably seen a lot more than me. Hey. <laughs> in my day, Florence, you could only see, and I'm going to tread carefully because we have got young ears and I don't want to lose Jonathan and his audience, you could only see mucky stuff if uh, you were fortunate enough to find something stashed in a bush. Mm, exactly. But, but nowadays you can look at it, you can look at it on your telephone. Absolutely. And they do. They, in secondary schools you find they do that, they email each other videos oh, and things. So, so they have seen it. Yeah. Yeah, it, well, Florence. Listen, thank you very much. It's a tough one, isn't it? They are very computer literate. You see, that's the thing. So they can get around all these firewalls that you put up and bits and pieces. Um, on the subject of gay marriage, Bob in High Wycombe, can, Ian, can you please explain the difference between the rights of civil partnership and that of marriage? I'm not really understanding why gay people would want to have the label of marriage and why the straight community have such a problem with it. Well, it's just, it's just a bigger commitment. There are slightly different uh, legal ramifications. And, hey, this is my civil partner. This is my wife. This is my husband. Hey... It's just much better, isn't it? It's just better. And I, I, it, 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 it does confuse me how anybody can frown on two people who want to celebrate being in love. We had Freddie who called in and was making a ridiculous connection between paedophilia and homosexuality, which is absolute nonsense, absolute tosh. And uh, I, I pursued him for a, a long time because I knew that that's what he was hinting at, and we, we got there in the end. So that, that, that put those rubbish arguments to one side. Two people stood there saying that they're in love with each other in front of their friends and their family and, and potentially in the eyes of God, if that's what they believe in. I, it, 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 I struggle to understand how anybody could have a problem with that. Why would you have a problem with that? But maybe you don't agree with what they do in the bedroom. Again, they're not going to do it on the altar, are they? They're not going to demonstrate the practices in front of you at the wedding reception. Right. On that rant, I hit this button and we get the music that means Sophie Tyler is on her way. Sophie, travel news. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still looking busy out there this morning, particularly on the M1 northbound. Two lanes are closed and there's queuing traffic. It's all following an earlier accident. Multi-vehicles involved there. Uh, just between Junction 12 at Flittick and 13 at Bedford. You're going to be queuing for around 25 minutes, I'm afraid. Delays also heading south around Junction 11 at Dunstable and between Junction... Uh, it's looking fairly slow, actually, trying to do Flittick as well, heading south, unfortunately. Now, anti-clockwise on the M25. It starts stop between 20 at Kings Langley all the way through to 16 at the M40. And on the M40, heading north... North, slow as well, coming off the A40 heading towards the M25. Heading south on the A1, still slow between the St Neots Junction and the Black Cat Roundabout and the Barnet Bypass, also slow where you expect between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. Delays of 20 minutes still in place on First Capital Connect between Hartford North and Moorgate and Stevenage and Kings Cross. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie. Well, there we go. It's another show finished. Back tomorrow at six o'clock, God willing. Stick around, though, because coming up next, it's going to be a feisty one, I think. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Until tomorrow, ta-ta. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JVS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Tuesday. And on today's big phone-in, I'm asking, how do you want your MP to vote on gay marriage? It's crunch day for an issue that's been discussed